0: hi and welcome back to another episode of tales from the cartridge i am one of your co-hosts eric penrod uh and i am your other co-host ryan bauer ryan how you doing Uh, i'm doing pretty good i am
1: doing pretty good um it's it's a it's a beautiful day in Mm -hmm. up here
0: uh in the north Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so i'm good how are you I'm good. I'm good. I'm also enjoying the same weather in the north. It's mm-hmm. uh, very nice <laughs> out, except for the mosquitoes, which seem to just constantly be everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And you, you are lucky enough to live in a very watery place, so they must I, love, really <laughs> love it there. <laughs> uh, everyone is just watering their gardens. I'm just like, no, please, stop. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> let, please. Your, let your gardens die, please. Let your, <laughs> anything, just let it all die, please. I just hate the mosquitoes. to the mosquitoes, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They say that like you could take any kind of you know animal or insect out of the ecosystem, it'd have radical effects on nature mm-hmm. but i'm willing to take those risks to get rid of mosquitoes all entirely i'm right. okay with, with taking that risk whatever happens volcanoes spot, <laughs> sprout up tsunamis <laughs> occur i don't care just get rid it's of mosquitoes i will live mosquitoes. through it yeah clickers come up infections happen i don't care mm-hmm. i'll deal with it <laughs> just get rid of mosquitoes <laughs> all manageable yeah Um, Or, like, maybe we should,
1: like, bioengineer a creature we already use a lot to just also eat mosquitoes. And then, like, we don't have to feed our dogs because they're eating mosquitoes. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, two birds. (laughs) I don't know if I like the idea of that. (laughs) I see my
0: dog running around eating mosquitoes, which he probably already does, quite honestly. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, We'd have to give him, like, frog tongues. Yeah. Oh. See, I, I don't know if I'm liking this idea. <laughs> Which is, I see, I don't like frogs either. I, that's uh, a that's a hot yeah. take. I think. But. Yeah. Yeah. That is. That's okay. It's all right. These I don't like frogs from a distance. You know. I, mm-hmm. but Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Ugh. Have you seen that Fable? Uh, did you see the the Xbox conference? I did see that. I saw bits I and pieces. Yeah. 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 And the Fable trailer has the fro- the the frog or toad that eats the yeah. fairy, and was like, oh, that was awful. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. Anyway, I'm going yeah. off a tangent here. I'm that's sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> um so welcome back to our uh episode two of the last of us i'm not going to say part two because that's the sequel and that's confusing so this is our second discussion on the second half of the last of us the first one if you haven't listened to the first one yet go listen to that first i would recommend that unless you really don't want to do this in order then i say you do you um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever feels right <laughs> whatever feels right to you i yes. we totally support that mm-hmm. um as always if you have any thoughts and feelings on the game that we talk about for the week Please don't hesitate to email us at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. And uh, also see us on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, DM us there. Give us your thoughts and feelings, whether you agree or disagree. We would love your input. We would love to talk about that in future episodes. So Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess without further ado, we already talked about, we already talk, kind of went over the background for the game last week, so mm-hmm. I think we'll just yeah. start into where we left off. Yeah, jump right in, and we're
1: picking up in a whole different season, right? Like, it's a there's a, right. there's a good time jump here, which is
0: why it was such a perfectly placed place yes. to stop last time. Yes, and just for the, for, just for, you know, anyone listening last week that doesn't really remember where we left off, we left off where uh, Joel and Ellie met Sam and Henry, um, but unfortunately at the end of their story, Sam turned and Henry killed himself. So yeah. some deep stuff there. And, um, but as that happened, the, the screen fades to black, and we end up in the fall. So, so like Ryan said, time has passed. It is fall time now, not summer anymore. And that's where we start. Time has passed, and it is now fall, as Joel and Ellie notice the Jackson County sign ahead of them. Wearing more layers due to the fall weather, Ellie asks if they're close to Jackson City. Joel replies by saying that they have to be within a few miles from it. As they continue up the trail, they detour to follow a river, which may lead to the city. Ellie asks Joel about what happened between him and his brother, Tommy. We just had a bit of a disagreement, that's all. Joel tells her, which Ellie clearly does not believe. Tommy saw the world one way, I saw it the other. Joel tells Ellie as she pries for more information. Joel explains that the last thing Tommy ever said to him was that he never wanted to see his face again. Ryan, when you heard that, what did you expect of Tommy going into this? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we got a little bit of Tommy at the beginning, of the very beginning of the story. So we have an idea of he's kind of like the selfless person who, you know, is willing to give himself up to save um, his brother. So, like, seeing this now, it, it's it's kind of strange to see who Tommy is now and which way mm-hmm. he went. Because we, we know Joel and we know what his worldview is and them saying, like, we have a different worldview. It, you're not really sure what to expect from Tommy in that. Did he go, you know... Farther than Joel in his kind of aggression, or is he kind of on the other side? Mm-hmm. We didn't hear that he's part of the Fireflies, so I'm kind of I was kind of curious to know more about that because the Fireflies are kind of this really interesting background thing that we we don't really hear a whole lot about. Um, right. But yeah, I, I was curious and we kind of wanted to know, just like just like a, a lot of parts of this game, I wanted to know what what is the history here, um, what's going right. on, what what could have possibly happened to to split um, these two brothers apart.
0: Yeah, yeah, and especially because they, they go through such an impactful moment with Joel and his daughter Sarah in the beginning of the game, and she dies. They're both there together, so you, I I would imagine that would kind of bring them closer. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're so distant now, it's a very interesting to see kind of or learn more about what happened between them. That would that would separate them so much. Yeah. So especially when they're like, the only two that they have left, you know, and their family together, and they're so far away, they're not keeping in touch. That he just knows that he's out here somewhere in Jackson. Like, that's just kind of, it's very, it's peculiar, you know, it's very surprising. You know, this this brother that you have, you, you're not keeping in touch with very well. It's a very interesting dynamic.
1: Yeah, and I think for Joel, who at this point has kind of, he lost the family that he had made, I am I kind of am curious, like, what's going on in Joel's head? Is he excited to see his brother? Is he nervous? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Or, or is he kind of worried um, that something might have happened? Um, he seems to just believe that he's fine and safe. But, yeah, it's
0: very interesting. Yeah yeah that's a very good point yeah definitely the two reach an abandoned hydroelectric power plant which ellie has never seen before making their way around it the two realize they are stuck and they have to go through the plant to get to jackson as they approach the gate guns are aimed at them from the watchtowers on either side of the gate as joel explains what they're doing there a man from the watchtower yells out they're all right when questioned if he knows joel and ellie the man opens the gate and responds by saying he's my goddamn brother He's revealed to be Tommy, and the two hug and seem to be happy meeting each other again. The woman from the opposite side of the watchtower comes down and is introduced as Maria. She's in charge of things around here. Ma'am, thanks for not blowing our heads off. Joel says to Maria in appreciation, Would have been embarrassing considering you're my brother-in-law. Would have been embarrassing considering you're my brother-in-law, Maria responds. The four move inside the power plant as Maria and Tommy explain that the power had been working and giving them electricity but has since stopped. As they go into the building, Maria gets word that workers are going to try and restart the plant. Tommy volunteers to go check it out, and Joel accompanies him while Maria takes Ellie to get food. As they walk together, Tommy stops and tells Joel that he has something for him. Moving towards a bag, Tommy explains that he went back to Texas a year ago, back to their home. He says that almost all their stuff was gone, but he managed to find something. Pulling a picture from a bag, Tommy hands it to Joel. It's a picture of Joel with his daughter Sarah, looking happy together. This is a powerful moment, and this is something I think Joel was not expecting, obviously. Mm -hmm. No. And I imagine all the feelings. I mean, for me, too, the relationship Joel has with Sarah, we only got a glimpse of it, right? But seeing that picture brought up emotions for me. So I imagine from Joel's perspective that probably brings up a lot of baggage and a lot of emotions that he doesn't like to feel because that feels kind of like potentially like a weakness for him in this this world now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how hard it
1: would be to see that um after so long and and just like you said bringing up so many things that i'm sure he's worked really hard to repress um because it doesn't feel safe to to feel those things
0: yeah and of course and if you're in tommy's shoes i imagine like you you find this picture you you feel kind of obligated to give it to him yeah you know you can't
1: not and expect your brother to to be excited to have this like treasure that like for for tommy he probably like he hasn't seen his niece since this happened, and this image is all that is left of her, except for, obviously, the watch that Joel wears. Yeah, you're right. But I, I guess, similarly, the, the watch broke, and he let it stay broken. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. don't know if that's, there's some symbolism there. but um, Oh,
0: wow, there is. There might be yeah. some symbolism there. Yeah. I can you didn't see that last time. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Staring at the photo in his hand, Joel tells Tommy, I'm good. and hands it back to him. Joel seems agitated as Tommy questions if he's sure. Joel tells him he needs to speak with him privately as Tommy puts the picture back in his bag. The two make their way up to the second floor of the power plant as Tommy explains the situation with their camp having food and power. They arrive at the turbine and it is successfully fixed as power comes back on to Tommy's delight. Tommy and Joel leave to go and talk in private in an empty room. Tommy asks Joel why he left Boston and he bets it has to do with Ellie. Joel explains that Ellie is immune to the infection, which Tommy finds it very hard to believe. Giving Joel the benefit of the doubt, Tommy questions why Joel came to see him. Joel explains that he needs to deliver Ellie to the Fireflies, and that Tommy knows where they can go. Tommy responds by telling Joel that he hasn't seen a Firefly in years, and that if he did, he would not take Ellie for him. Tommy tells Joel that he has a family now, and that it's his problem to deal with, and not anyone else's. Joel doesn't like this, and gets upset, but before getting further into their argument, alarms start going off in the distance. Wonder under attack," Tommy tells Joel as he grabs his gun and both run out. Bandits begin rushing the building, with the turbines, as Tommy, Joel, and Tommy's men fight back. After finishing off the last bandit, Tommy and Joel find Maria, who is alright. Joel runs into Ellie, who is frantically telling Joel everything that she saw as Joel makes sure that she's okay. Tommy watches Joel and Ellie interact, takes a deep breath, and tells Maria he has to talk to her. A short time passes as we find the group outside with Maria refusing to let Tommy take Ellie to the fireflies as Joel sits away from the fight listening. Ellie sees Maria and asks Joel what's happening. Ellie questions if they're arguing about her, which Joel tells her that they'll talk about later. Clearly annoyed, Ellie walks away as Maria approaches Joel. Here we go, Joel says under his breath. You. If anything, anything happens to him at all, it's on you. Maria points her finger at Joel and walks away. I like Maria a lot. Yeah, I like that. No, what do you, what like do you think of Maria? Yeah,
1: yeah I think she, um, again, it's just uh, feels like a, a good, strong, fully formed character um, yeah. just from this little snippet we get. Um, yeah. there's, there is, we certainly know, we already know a lot about her. She has respect, she's a leader um, and she cares a lot for Tommy.
0: I like that. And I know some people, um, I don't understand the perspective so I can't uh, justify it per se. Um, I know some people do not, typically feel good about female leads for some reason or strong female characters in stories like this for some reason um i i I don't see it that way i really like the fact that we have characters like tess and maria and ellie and and marlene in this game to represent uh just a a strong female dynamic that's not just all men running around shooting each other it feels good that i like that a lot yeah
1: i agree i think it feels more realistic because like half the population is uh uh, female or non-binary or, or something different than just uh, uh, some some dude. Um, yeah, so it's good to have that. Repra- yeah, yeah. Think. So it's good
0: to have that representation. Uh, so it yeah. feels more realistic. As a dude myself, I, I just I'm okay with not seeing other dudes all mm-hmm. the time <laughs> and everything. Yeah, yeah. the one the one
1: like perspective I feel like I have full agency on is what I as a as a dude want, and it isn't just dudes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tommy tells Joel that he'll take Ellie to the Fireflies, as Joel reassures him that it's best this way. I need to talk to Ellie, Joel says as they separate. Quickly, Tommy is told over the radio that Ellie just took a horse and has run off. Tommy and Joel get on their own horses and rush after Ellie and the tracks that she left behind. Riding through the forest, the two run into bandits that they quickly put down. They continue on to follow Ellie's tracks through the forest as they come upon an abandoned ranch. Tommy recognizes the horse standing outside, meaning that Ellie must be inside. Joel runs inside, yelling for Ellie, who is upstairs. He quickly moves upstairs and enters the room Ellie is sitting in. Is this all they really had to worry about? Boys? Movies? Deciding which shirt goes with which skirt? It's bizarre, says Ellie, holding what is seemingly an old diary belonging to the home's past inhabitants. Joel tells Ellie to leave with him, but Ellie asks what if she says no. Frustrated, Joel looks at Ellie and says, Do you even realize what your life means? Huh? Running off like that? Putting yourself at risk? It's pretty goddamn stupid. Well, I guess they're both disappointed with each other then, Ellie replies. Ellie tells Joel to admit he tried to get rid of her, but Joel tells her that she'll be safer with Tommy. Ellie doesn't buy it, and refuses to accept what Joel is saying. I'm not her, you know. Shocked, Joel turns around as Ellie tries to explain that Maria, Tommy's wife, told her about Sarah. Ellie, you are treading on mighty thin ice here, Joel says with a low tone of voice. The two argue about loss, how Ellie feels she's lost everything she's cared for, while Joel feels like she has no idea what loss is. Ellie tells Joel that she's not Sarah and that she will do better moving forward with him and not Tommy. You're right, Joel says you're not my daughter and i sure as hell ain't your dad and we are going our separate ways this moment was surprising to me when i first saw it what did you think of this at first ryan um i mean for to me this moment feels like this like
1: building climax of emotions where like Ellie is struggling with kind of attachment and being left behind and Joel is just trying to repress all of these feelings that I mean we can see and Tommy could clearly see um, between him and Ellie, Joel and Ellie um, and it's just mm-hmm. those two things coming coming to a head but at I, I, this moment this like whole conversation felt like so real and so um, powerful so different than the drama you usually see um, this, this this story has a lot of you know video game drama where there's bad guys and there's things going on but it also has like this incredibly powerful emotional tension that Mm -hmm. is is being played out in in like real ways there are there are people who have these kinds of trauma and are struggling with these trauma and it feels pretty genuine i would say
0: yeah yeah and i shouldn't say i'm surprised um because we we know that joel's trying to get tommy to take ellie Mm -hmm. and it's very Obvious that Ellie does not want to go, mm-hmm. uh, even before this argument. Yeah. Um, so I shouldn't say it was a surprise. I just I I wasn't expecting this kind of conflict between them. I didn't expect this kind of honesty between them. I yeah. guess is what I'm trying to say. This yeah. kind of honesty about their feelings and and being more open. This is like they've been communicating, but this is when they really communicate their feelings to each other. You know, this is when they really start to open the doors a little bit more. Uh, as reluctant as joel is and as open as ellie is Mm -hmm. um you know and ellie's 14 so her running off with a horse because she's angry is very teenagery you know like that's a a, you know in a post-apocalyptic world that's probably as close as like getting in your car and driving away kind of thing as you're going to get from a teenager um and something that i noticed too a lot uh, and we're going to see a lot more towards um the rest of the game uh, i think this is where we start to see this kind of uh this theme in the game is comparing feelings we see that a lot with these characters really good point yeah arguing how they feel compared to how someone else feels um and i think we'll get more into that later as we see more evidence of that and more talk of that and how that kind of is detrimental at least from my perspective it's detrimental um but i think something just to look out for as we continue with the story is that idea of like you you've lost but i've lost more than you you have no idea yeah you know
1: yeah, I think that's a really good point. Something that I during the time had no concept of, but now as I have learned more about, you know, and I'm sure you you have even more information on like trauma and feelings, um how how that conversation is going and how again, like how real that conversation is, especially with individuals who haven't learned to look at other people in 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 the way that kind of we look at other people because of the world they live in but also these things happen not in this world there there are plenty of times when two people right now in this in 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 this time in this non-post-galactic world you know compare feelings and there's
0: yeah there's a much it's a much different situation in that world than it is ours right and there's much less coping going on in healthy ways yeah and so yeah so this is the kind of this makes sense. This conflict in this discussion between Joel and Ellie makes sense, mm-hmm. um, especially in their, their attempts to cope. I and mean, we're seeing two different people in this dynamic in two different places, right? Yeah. Ellie wants this this dynamic to continue while Joel's trying to cut it off. And that's that's creating this conflict. Um, right. So it'll be interesting to see as things move on uh, how that dynamic changes.
1: Um, and I think just like masterfully juxtaposed with Joel getting the picture of his daughter and ter- right, and turning right. that away like that right before there's this split just kind of fully tells the player or tells the person you know experiencing this narrative joel is trying to push away these things he's yes. pushed away his daughter he's pushed away tommy and now just like everybody else he's trying to push away ellie um and ellie like is refusing to allow that to happen
0: great notice. Yeah. A, I, I, I think I missed that a little bit. and I, That's a great catch. I'm glad you said that. Mm-hmm. That's a really good catch. They did a great job at relationships in this game, I think. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Tommy rushes into the room and tells the two that bandits have come into the house and are ready to fight. Joel moves to the house quietly, taking out the bandits one by one. The three make it out of the home from the front door and leave on their horses back to Jackson City. The group is silent as the view of the city rises in front of them. Stopping, Joel asks Tommy where the Firefly's lab is. Tommy tells them that it was at the University of Eastern Colorado. Go Bighorns, Joel says. Joel tells Ellie to get off her horse and give it back to Tommy. Tommy looks confused and questions what Joel's doing. Your wife kind of scares me. I don't want her coming after me. <laughs> Tommy chuckles at his response. He asks Joel if he'll come back to town and talk about it more. But Joel tells him his mind is made up. Ellie jumps on his horse happily after giving Tommy the horse back. Joel asks how he'll know that the lab. Joel asks how he'll know what the lab looks like at the university, which Tommy explains that it's a science building, and it looks like a giant mirror. He can't miss it. Joel tells Tommy to take care of Maria. Tommy tells Joel there's a place for him in Jackson City. Joel shakes his head up and down and asks Ellie if she's good. Adios, little brother says Joel, as he and Ellie ride off. So that was the end of that story and that section with Tommy. Mm-hmm. In the last episode, we were kind of talking about the themes or the lessons learned from each segment of the story. Yeah. Um, so not to put you on the spot, Ryan, but do you have an idea <laughs> of what you feel like um, the lesson is of this, this part of the story?
1: Yeah. So this one feels kind of different in that, like, it doesn't, it, it, there It is certainly something big that happens for both Joel and Ellie Um, Mm -hmm. And in in the same way, it's, like, exploring our connections. But this feels more of a positive in some ways. Like, they, instead of, you know, repress the things that you're feeling, block off people Mm -hmm. around you, it feels at the end of this, when Joel makes that decision, that he is, at least my perspective is, he is, like, deciding to, okay, uh, we we talked this out, we had this conversation, I'm going to start moving towards uh, maybe letting Ellie in or maybe connecting right. with Ellie. And this whole thing feels like Joel kind of reconnecting with his brother, connecting in some way with Ellie, and now we're starting to see those connections form, which is interesting because it feels so, after everything they've learned, these these connections are still forming even though Joel is, is fighting against it. And I think one of the things that, like I said, we notice and Tommy notices is after that first bandit fight at the, at the plant, Joel runs up mm-hmm. to Ellie and says, "What happened? Are you okay?" And like, Ellie is like right. excitedly explaining everything that's going on. They already have this relationship, that's really visible, um, but Joel is just refusing to kind of connect to it. So I think, overall, yes. I think my my view is I think this whole thing is about now. We've spent a bunch of time interacting with other characters who aren't Joel and Ellie. Um, and, and getting that perspective on the world, and now we're shifting to we're only going to focus on Joel and Ellie, and this feels like kind of setting that up and kind of just letting letting us know, letting the the, the character know, you know, uh, relationship, maybe relationships can work. Maybe th- this can be okay. Yeah. Um, at least that's kind of my yeah. real quick
0: uh, type of thing. What do you think? I, I think you're totally right, and I, I think that if I to to kind of theme the the lesson here in this segment, I think that it's communication is key, especially to relationships. And that doesn't even mean I think a lot of people in relationships and that's like any relationship, parental, um, you know, romantic friendship. It doesn't matter. Um, I think people are afraid to have arguments Mm -hmm. and that arguments are bad. Right. But arguments lead to bad things. But I think at the same time, by having these discussions, whether they're arguments or civil or whatever they may be, if you're getting your emotions out there, that's telling that other person how you're feeling, right? That's your, you communicating. So as we see that with Joel and Ellie, you know, Joel is, is telling Ellie, she's walking on thin ice, right? You don't talk about Sarah. That you're walking on thin ice. That's, that's difficult for me to talk to. Now Ellie knows, you know, she had been asking questions before. She didn't understand how sore of a subject that was, right? And now Joel understands that Ellie doesn't want to leave his side. She doesn't want to go with Tommy. She feels safe with him. Now, I don't think that, I don't think that Joel understood that perspective from ellie right ellie is just this this was kind of this person he cares about her but he doesn't want to admit it you know she's very important he has to get her to the fireflies um but by understanding her feelings i think he comes to terms with he has to be the one to take her not tommy which is why he makes that choice uh at the end of this segment of of the story yeah
1: really well said i yeah that making that connection of ellie so badly wants you know joel is all ellie has left right now and i think joel had convinced himself that everyone he surrounds himself with gets hurt and he is terrified Mm -hmm. that what will happen to because of what he's seen with henry because of what he's seen with um i can't remember his name um the no um the man from the previous arc basically every time he's seen yeah bill every partnership he's seen and then his with um tess every relationship he's seen has fallen apart and he's terrified of that happening with Ellie. So he's trying to push her yeah. away, but she is refusing to let him. Yeah. Right. And, and because, right. like you said, because they're communicating, because she made it clear to him and maybe he's
0: understanding it. Yeah, exactly. So remember, listeners, arguments not aren't no. always bad. You know, I'm not saying go out and have an mm-hmm. argument with the first person you see. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, only have arguments with your close, you know, the close relationships you have. But if that's why it happens... You know, at least speaking your mind and then giving it time to kind of settle yeah. down so you can have a civil discussion about your thoughts is never, not, all right, not Not never a bad thing, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It can't lead to good things. Yeah. Just make sure it doesn't get physical. Right. Please. Okay, don't say, <laughs> Eric from Tales of the Merchant said it's okay to be funny. No. We'll, we'll get yeah. through this.
1: And, and making sure those arguments, like, you can express how you feel but without putting the other person down. Um, and I think in right, this conversation, right. they are treading on that. I think they do a pretty good job of not mm-hmm. being mean to each other, but also kind of saying what they're feeling. Um, and sometimes that is going to kind of hurt the other person, and, and, and just, like, being open in conversation about that is, is helpful. But yeah, good good PSA.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I think you're right. You're, yeah, they are treading on that. And they're getting a little... Joel's getting a little too close to comparing yes. feelings, right? Which is never going to lead to right. anything good. You should never... Compare your feeling to someone else's feelings and say that you're, you know, it's not a game. It's not like a competition. Um, but and we'll see kind of how that changes, too, I think, later on, Joel's how Joel does with that. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway, long story short, communication is great. Make sure you communicate. Do it effectively. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> More time has passed as Joel and Ellie make their way to the University of Eastern Colorado. As they ride forward, Joel is explaining the rules of football to Ellie the two make it to the gates of the university and make their way inside the campus riding further in they realize that they need to turn the power back on to move, to move past a locked gate the problem Joel faces is that there are runners inhabiting the building he quietly kills the runners inside and finds the generator which he's able to turn on unlocking the gate as Joel makes his way back downstairs he hear he hears as Joel makes his way back downstairs he hears Ellie yell out to him saying hey I was thinking, I would have been an astronaut. That effect, Joel says back to her. Ellie continues, Yeah, could you imagine being up there all by yourself? Wouldn't it have been cool? I'm just saying. I really like, t- just take a, a second here. I just like Ellie a lot. I like how optimistic yeah. Ellie is and how open mm-hmm. Ellie is. And just, she's a yeah. great character. Joel makes it back to Ellie and the horse waiting at the locked gate. He's able to get the locked gate open with the power being on and hops back on the horse as he does ellie asks him what he wanted to be when he was young oh well when i was a kid i used to want to be a, a singer ellie laughs shut up i'm serious joel shares her ellie asks joel to sing for her but he refuses despite her assuring him that she won't laugh As they make it to the center of the university, they ride around and see the firefly markings on the buildings as they pass by. The two again are stopped by another locked gate, so Joel goes searching for the generator again, which he is able to find. Opening the next gate, Ellie asks Joel if he thinks the clickers they ran into previously were former fireflies. Joel denies Ellie's worry and thought maybe the fireflies used the clickers as a form of defense, similar to how Bill did. I'm going back really quick, i think this is when we start to see yeah. the change mm-hmm. right is this is joel this is joel opening up more he just admitted that he wanted to be a singer growing up as a kid and he, we could kind of tell at least i thought he kind of could tell that he's embarrassed mm-hmm. by that and showing embarrassment is showing kind of like a not a weakness being vulnerable um, though. but being yeah. yes thank you that's a great way but being vulnerable right and this is not a joel i think we would have saw back in jacksonville before his discussion mm-hmm. with ellie
1: I don't know, what do you think Yeah, I totally agree. I think we start to see him open up. And and like also in him reassuring ellie that things are going to be okay is a different side of him we haven't seen like he she's mm-hmm. she's you can see that she's concerned and he's trying to comfort her right he's trying to say no they're just you know it's, it's probably defense or they're here somewhere i'm sure and yeah. we, we keep seeing that which again shows that shift where not only is he being vulnerable to ellie and opening up more he's also actively showing compassion and trying to make her feel better and less scared
0: yes the great point great find yes yeah, and, and I think that's just the person that Joel right. is. You know, he has a kind heart, but the world has made him made him, you know, yeah. A and wall. you start to see that kind of that wall is kind of slowly starting to come down
1: now. Yes.
0: Yep. Yeah. Riding further into the university, the two continue not to find any members of the Fireflies. Ellie asks Joel if he ever went to university, which he responds by saying no, at least not as a student. When asked why, Joel tells her that he had his daughter Sarah when she was young. Ellie then asks Joel if he was ever married. Joel tells her that he was for a while. What happened? Asks Ellie. After a moment of awkward silence, Ellie asks again. Too much? Too much. Joel responds. So we're not there yet. We're not, yeah. we're not to Joel opening up too much yet. It's, it's okay. He's still,
1: experience. you know, stating his boundaries and her, by her respecting mm-hmm. those boundaries, again, that makes him feel more comfortable to know that, okay, she's not going to yes. push me farther than I'm ready. She's going to give me that time.
0: Yep. This is the, again, the communication. Mm-hmm. They're, commu- they're already communicating mm-hmm. better than they were yeah. previously. Right. And that's that relationship becoming stronger, which is really cool to see. Pushing a dumpster into position, Joel and Ellie make it inside the science building through an open window. They still find no signs of the fireflies. The two come across papers and folders with medical information on them. Confused by what's happening, Joel comments. Looks like they all just packed up and left in a hurry. As Joel finishes his sentence, a loud bang is heard upstairs. The two move upstairs to inspect what made the noise. They search through an empty laboratory until Joel opens up a slightly ajar door. He finds monkeys inside that quickly run away as they see him in the doorway. The two move inside the room as the monkeys run out an open window. Joel finds an audio recording inside of a man stating that they were packing everything up and was told to put down the monkeys, as they were tainted by the infection for experimentation. The man on the recorder doesn't want to put them down, but quickly panics when the infected monkey bites him and likely infects him that do you do you remember that audio recording rand you've you heard this recently um i
1: didn't remember which also I, I don't know how that works but like does that mean that these monkeys are infected
0: but not turned right i think that the strain only oh it's only humans kinda, right, it's right now the like we talked only about the first humans episode. yeah oh
1: that's so interesting okay
0: yeah yeah so this man you know ellie's asking and and this isn't confirmed in any way shape or form so i'm not trying to like uh, lead anything, but like, you know, Ellie's asking, like, are they, you know, do you think these clickers and these runners are right. fireflies? And Joel's like, no, no, I don't think so. They're probably just like, defense, mm-hmm. you know? And then we hear this man who was recording saying he was bitten by a monkey with the infection inside of it, um, and he starts to panic, and, and the recording turns off. Uh, we kind of put two and two together that maybe something happened here that you know, it's, you know, Things detrimental to what happened in yeah. the fireplace. Do we
1: know the man who's? Do we is the man's body there? I I don't remember. Is the man's body there? I don't. I just find. I the don't recording? think so. Okay. I think it's just the recording in the, in the lab. I don't think okay because I wasn't sure if then like if there was a body there if he then you know killed himself versus oh he did
0: turn and he was one of those clickers Okay, cool yeah yeah, yeah, that yeah. that's actually a good question I wish I paid more attention to that I was more focused on that oh this is yeah, a good recording yeah. tip <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, they do a good job with the recordings and in the, in the story to kind of give extra perspective mm-hmm. so I didn't put a whole bunch in the script so if you really enjoy that play the game again look for all the audio yeah. recordings help you get a better <laughs> picture <laughs> you know, of the it. world as a whole um, which I still
1: think yeah. even if you're you're not listening to the recordings just following on and seeing they do a really good job of presenting it to you but there's some really good stuff in there
0: yeah Yeah, very true, very true. Joel finds a closed door that he shoves open, and the two find a dead body with another audio recording. The recorder states that the fireflies have left and have returned to the St. Mary's Hospital in Salt Lake City. As Joel and Ellie discuss how far away Salt Lake City is, Joel notices lights moving from the building in front of them. A bullet flies through the window, and the two drop to the floor to get out of sight. Joel and Ellie make their way down the building, killing the people trying to kill them. Moving towards the closed door, a random man kicks the door open and attacks Joel. He pushes Joel into the railing behind him and begins to choke him. Struggling to get him off, Joel is able to punch him just before the railing breaks and the two fall to the floor below. As Joel lands on the ground, he is pierced through his abdomen by a metal rod sticking vertically from the ground. Ellie makes her way down to Joel quickly as Joel tries to compose himself. Asking what she should do, Joel tells Ellie to move. As he pulls his gun and aims at the door in front of them that bursts open with people. Struggling to aim, Joel is still able to kill the two men as they approach him. Ellie prepares Joel and on the count of three pulls him off the metal rod as he writhes in pain. Holding his side as he bleeds out, Joel slowly follows Ellie who leads him back to their horse. They are ambushed by another gang member who is pissed off that Joel killed his friends. Ellie tells Joel that she'll flank the man though Joel is too weak to stop her. Suddenly, having gone around, Ellie fires at the man but does not kill him. Joel takes the opportunity to turn and shoot, ending the man's life. I, I, actually, we should stop and talk about that moment where Joel is imp- impaled by the metal yeah. rod. The first time that happened, I thought, holy crap, Joel's going
1: to die. Yeah, I thought the same thing like this. The, again, like just goes against a lot of what you experience in in these games. And if you've played other Dog games, you know that these are things that can happen. But still, in this moment, it was so jarring that all of a sudden there's this metal you know this metal bar just jamming out through his abdomen and he's just bleeding like crazy and how it's set up it he, you as as you're controlling joel you're weaker you're, it's
0: you're slow moving mm-hmm.
1: everything makes you think that oh man this might be this might be
0: it right right and coming and coming from a, a game like this like where you know relationships build and they can quickly yeah. end you know we saw it with sam and ellie we saw it with tess and ellie um you know, just these relationships quickly can, can build to be something beautiful and then quickly right. end. So, you know, we get to this point where Joel and Ellie are kind of working better as a team. They're talking more to each other. Um, and now to see Joel like this, you know, and at the same time, you know, Ellie's learned a lot mm-hmm. from Joel. So is this to the point where Joel doesn't really, can he give anything else to Ellie? Can he teach anything, you know, teach anything to Ellie at this point? Or has he kind of like become less useful to Ellie in the story? Right. You know so it's kind of like the thoughts running through my mind yeah, at least that's, that's
1: a good point and i think one of the things at least at the at the end of that where ellie shoots him but doesn't kill him but joel does it for her he is still even in that moment trying to protect her to stop her from having to take yeah. as many lives as i think he knows he's had to um, but yeah that was a yeah. good that's a good perspective i don't know if i reacted as much as but yeah
0: that's a good point though yeah i think you're right i think joel does look out for ellie i mean he tries to be the the mm-hmm. bad guy. You know, quote-unquote, so that way she doesn't have to. Ellie again helps Joel up and leads him to the horse. His vision begins to be fuzzy and struggles to balance. Ellie tries to help Joel by getting him to lean on her, but he refuses. Well, can you walk? Ellie asks Joel. Yes. He replies. Then fucking walk. So I, when you hear that rhyme, when you hear the... Then fucking walk. Do you think that it's Ellie being angry, or is it Ellie being encouraging?
1: I think it's her doing the best that she can like i think she i think she is angry not necessarily at joel she's angry at the situation and she does not want to lose him and she knows he has to move um and as we've seen ellie she is not shy to speak her mind and this is just her speaking her mind that's what i think what do you think
0: yeah i totally agree i think this is ellie's way of encouraging joel or getting joel to 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 motivate him to keep moving yeah right i think if she was like trying to like be nice about it it would not put the the pep in his step so to say keep moving but it's just like then fucking walk then like you know he's gonna yeah. harder yeah. you know he's gonna push himself harder so yeah and then again that's just the I think that just shows their relationship mm-hmm. right Ellie can be that way because you know that's what mm-hmm. Joel needs and Joel's protecting her so that's a good dynamic it's pretty cool yeah, she knows the language that he needs to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. and that's She's learned
1: his communication style. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Yeah. See? Yeah, it's all about communication. That's it. The Last of Us, the game of communication. Yeah. Game yeah. Of communication. Or lack right. of. Or lack of. <laughs> right. As everyone yeah. shoots and kills each other. As the two find the exit, Joel continues to get worse and worse. He sees men coming down the stairs in front of them, but is too weak to warn Ellie or be able to shoot at them. As Joel is in and out of consciousness, he sees Ellie shooting at the two men. Ellie quickly runs out of ammo and is attacked by one of the men with a metal pipe. Able to reload quickly, Ellie is able to fire three shots into the man's chest, killing him. Ellie helps Joel up again and gets his arm around her. She slowly begins to move him closer and closer to the exit. I swear to God, I get you out of this, you're so singing for me, Ellie tells Joel. You wish, Joel says back to her with a soft chuckle. The two make it outside to find a man trying to take their horse. Ellie quickly guns him down and brings the horse to Joel. Joel painfully is able to get on the horse as Ellie follows suit. The two ride off, and after leaving the university, Ellie comments that she thinks that they're safe. Joel, looking pale and weak, falls off the horse and onto the ground. Ellie gets down to help him get back up, but struggles. You gotta tell me what to do, Ellie pleads. Come on, you gotta get up. Joel? The scene cuts to black. So it's that it's that roller coaster again, right? We have, yeah. they're going up in Jacksonville, right? more communication. They they seem to be getting along better, and then we're going back down again, right? Yeah. And and this struggle that they're having to do in this world, right? They're, they're struggling to survive, and now Joel is is this week this this person who's been so strong in this whole time in the story, who's kind of been this this leader figure, though he doesn't want to be a leader necessarily. He, he's been able to kind of handle these situations, and he is now. He is now struggling and ellie doesn't know what to do it's just a bad situation altogether
1: yeah i mean i think one of the hallmarks of good storytelling is is drama and i think they are just constantly wrapping up that tension and drama just like we talked about in the first episode with their inspirations they want to create a space where there's constant drama and like you said with that roller coaster as they're going down they need to ramp it back up because good storytelling is drama and tension and they just keep that drama intention all throughout the game, even yep. when it looks like things are getting better, back to that drama in just this masterful way that makes you feel like, what's happening next? What's going on? I need to see if Joel's okay. I need to know what's happening with Ellie because mm-hmm. they've done such a good job. Yeah, because if they just kept,
0: if things kept, kept being okay, that would be boring. It would be really boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so like, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And it's interesting because at this moment, you don't know what's going to happen to Joel, right? Will he die? No. Will mm-hmm. Ellie just be on her own? Uh, How will she get through this? How could she possibly get back on the horse? You know, there's a lot of questions running through, at least they're running through my mind through the game. And and then the more I think about it, the more I'm struggling to think of a theme or a lesson in this part of the story.
1: Yeah, fall is a bit harder because this whole experience is just them slowly building their relationship and working together. And there's this tragedy that happens. Um, So I think this is just kind of, this feels almost like a continuation of the previous one. But um, in a way that, at least from what I remember, and maybe you remember better, him getting injured has nothing to do with because he's trying to protect her or anything, does
0: it? It was just because they were fighting, right? Right, right, right. So he, he's like, he gets ambushed, and like uh, he's fighting this man as he's leaning against a railing. He's on the second floor, and it breaks, yeah. and they both fall, and he just lands on this, this metal rod. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and I think, I think something that it could be saying is because Joel would not have survived this without Ellie is that it's further reinforcing that idea that, like, relationships are important and these people can keep you alive. Even though bad things can happen, even though, you know, it can end up tragic, you wouldn't survive if it wasn't for Ellie right now. Uh, yeah. Because she not only gets him out of there, but kills everyone who's trying to hurt them and just it, it does everything that she can to keep them safe and keep him safe. Yeah, um, yeah. So
0: that could even be something that it's it's reinforcing. You know, and Joel's... Joel up to Jacksonville, right? It was not, or even actually through Jacksonville, he says this, I'm not your dad, right? Yeah. But he's kind of, I, th- I think unknowingly become this kind of parental figure, right, towards Ellie. Mm-hmm. He's essentially her guardian at this point. Um, yeah. And he's teaching her all these things to, like how to survive. Ellie is watching him kill these people, do these things to survive. And we kind of see that blossom in her getting him out of the university, killing these men, handling herself, as she's able to get him on the horse and ride away to a point where they're not in danger anymore, and, you know, and that's and that's a testament to how well Joel has kind of taught her, whether he meant to or not. So, which is an interesting kind of um, point to make uh, with their relationship. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't even I didn't even think about like
1: who Ellie is now and who she will be in the future is because of who she learned from, right? Mm-hmm. And who she, who who taught her these things, and that's what allows her to stay alive. That's a really good point. I didn't think right.
0: about that. Is we see her now doing all these things in, in the University of Colorado, killing these men and we, if we compare her back to when they first started their journey and, and there was a, a moment where Joel's getting, you know, forced underwater, he's drowning from this man and Ellie shoots the man that's her first person that she's killed that we know of, and, mm-hmm. uh, at least I believe so, and uh, yeah. you know and she wants some recognition for it and uh, here she is shooting these men, killing these men in Colorado uh, and just trying to get Joel out she doesn't need the recognition, she just needs to save him she's come a long way yeah yeah very cool it's very cool to see them grow the characters mm-hmm. grow in different ways and i think this is how we see ellie grow and i think we've seen joel grow based, based on his interactions with ellie and their dynamic together yeah i totally agree as the scene opens it is wintertime. the wilderness is covered in snow a rabbit comes into view from its hole in the ground and shakes off the snow on its fur suddenly an arrow flies through the air and goes into the rabbit killing it a figure picks out the rabbit and removes the arrow. That figure is revealed to be Ellie. She ties the rabbit to her horse when she suddenly spots a deer. Leaving her horse behind, she tracks the deer through the snow. She spots it running across the woods and continues to track it. Her bow in her hand and arrows in her backpack, Ellie is able to shoot the deer but is unable to kill it. She follows the trail of blood left behind to an abandoned and run-down barn. Creeped out, Ellie collects supplies from inside and then follows the blood trail outside. She finds the deer dead and a smile comes across her face. Hearing a noise behind her, Ellie draws her bow and questions who's there. And I want to stop really quick because do you feel like Ellie is different in any way seeing her like this? Or do you kind of just feel like things are the same in terms of like who she is as a character? Has she grown at all? You feel like these like as time has gone on? Or do you feel like this is kind of just you know, expected. Yeah, no, I totally agree. She feels
1: like a different character. She meals kind of like what you talked about at the end of, um, fall. She's, she's kind of taking the things she's learned and she's being much more independent. We're up to this point. We never saw Ellie alone. Um, she was always with somebody, but now we, uh, you know, we, we are seeing Ellie by herself, getting food, taking care of herself. And also like, they have not addressed the question that you're weight. You are like, yes. what happened to Joel? What happened to Joel? This mm-hmm. continual tension, that they are just actively choosing not to address because they know that'll keep us engaged. Um, right. Which is really incredible. But yeah, right. I think as far as Ellie, she feels like her own character. And, and in a really interesting way, um, we are now like seeing the world through Ellie's eyes, which again, it, it adds more of that tension.
0: Yeah, exactly. And this, again, when I remember first playing the game forever ago, uh, 2013, I think was what we said. Or is that yeah. right Yeah, 2013. I think that's right, yeah. Um, I remember thinking, you know, supporting my idea that you know i think that i thought joel was possibly still alive but the fact that he maybe just outlived his usefulness in the, in the story you know he, mm-hmm. ellie learned a lot from him and now can handle herself what she clearly was doing you know she was surviving and she, she made it through winter so but yeah in the back of your mind you're wondering what happened to joel you know what is going on you know it's it, but to see ellie thriving like this is really cool too yeah From behind a wall, a bearded Caucasian middle-aged man with a rifle slung on his shoulder comes out and puts his hands up, along with a younger man behind him. Hello, we just want to talk, the bearded man tells Ellie. Ellie tells him that she'll shoot if she sees anything funny from them and asks what they want. The bearded man introduces himself as David, and the young man is his friend James. He explains they come from a larger group consisting of women and children who are all very hungry. Ellie shows no sympathy and says that she's also in the same situation. David asks if he could trade Ellie for some of the deer meat. Asking if she needs any weapons, ammo, or clothing, Ellie yells out, Medicine! And asks if he has any. Now first off, I think it's super interesting that Ellie lies in the situation. And I think this is one of those like defense mechanisms in terms of like not showing weakness or sh- showing a, an equal need for something. So that means that you're equally as empower in this situation right so when david's like we have women and children in our group they're very hungry we could use this to meat it goes well me too we don't know yet but we're pretty sure it's not true
1: right and again it's more things she's learned from joel right you you do what you have to do to survive you say mm-hmm. the things you need to say and you you need to value yourself just
0: as much as others in
1: the same way that like we've we've seen joel make these choices and we've seen characters in this world make these choices
0: yeah yeah and, and and to give ellie the benefit of the doubt too or i mean to give ellie some credit we don't know if david is telling the truth either you know he's right. also saying this but mm-hmm. how true is this you know how true right. it is we don't know this person and then as at the second point uh when david's offering her things to trade for the deer meat and she yells out medicine i think it kind of confirms what we already would know you know or what we want to know is is, is joel alive or, or is he dead and when she yells out medicine, I think we have a, a pretty good understanding of what the situation is.
1: Yeah, and that's also a moment for her, you know, showing some vulnerability, showing yeah. that there's a weakness there. Oh, she needs medicine. Why does she need medicine? You know what I mean? She, she, up to that point, she's holding strong. She's, you know, not letting anything in. But then, because of who she is,
0: she she breaks a little bit there when she says she needs medicine. Which is again like just an inexperienced thing to do, but she's yeah. young and she's learning mm-hmm. these skills still. So it yeah. makes sense that she is kind of vulnerable in that moment. It, you know, when she has the chance to get something she needs for someone that she cares about, she's very like, impulsive to ask, you know, right. which is you know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, for sure. David tells her that his group does have antibiotics, but it's at his camp. He invites her to follow him, but she refuses. Ellie volunteers James to go get it and come back. If he does, then the deer meat is all theirs. David tells James to get two bottles of penicillin and a syringe and tells him to go. I'll take that rifle. Ellie tells David, who complies, and sets it down on the ground and backs away. Ellie picks up the rifle and puts her bow away. She continues to aim the rifle at David. He asks to go inside a nearby building to get out of the cold, which Ellie complies, and tells him to bring the dead deer as well. is, again, more Ellie being cool. Ellie being, like, you know, making good choices. Like, I'll take that gun, too. And she has no (laughs) shame in asking, which I thought was so cool. And I wondered, I was like, I don't think I could have done that in that situation. Maybe I could have. But, like... It's Just how, like you know, using her control and power in the situation to get what she wants. Again, mm-hmm. I think is like you said, uh, things that she learns from Joel, yeah. so how to survive. So she and she's smart. You can tell Ellie's smart, um, but learning. Yeah, and I will say this interaction is is
1: very different than the other interactions we've the other characters we've seen. This is much more similar to Sam and Henry than it is to Bill. The interaction mm-hmm. with her and David. He seems to be, for the most part, pretty amicable. He's listening to what she has to say and you know following her orders um
0: which i think um, is interesting as well it's hard to know should you trust this person or not especially in the situation that they're in yeah so but i think ellie's making all the right choices she's doing a good job you know she's not falling for you know to be led into a trap or to let herself become vulnerable in a life-threatening situation she is controlling the situation as best as she can so yeah yeah and i
1: think like we talked about the only weakness she's shown is that asking for medicine
0: Yes, Yep. I say, yeah, it's like the only, I mean, quote unquote, mistake that she's made. Yeah. Inside a room of an abandoned structure, David has made a small fire, with Ellie squatting a few feet away from him. David comments to Ellie that she shouldn't be on her own, but Ellie assures him that she doesn't like company. Which, side note, I just realized that she kind of is uh, conflicting with her past statement, which could have been David trying to set her up. Yeah, I think David does a really good
1: job of, as soon as he saw that her need for something, he's going to prod and get more information to mm-hmm. kind of size her up a little bit and i think again that that's had an experience like he's done everything he ha- needs to do to kind of earn her trust and she's saying okay maybe he's okay we'll just have some conversation and he's doing a really good job of being like a kind unbelievable human
0: and yeah and we see like you know like i just said before like she kind of like goes back on what she said about being in a group so mm-hmm. it's very likely that david understands that and is going to use that to his advantage right David asks Ellie for her name, but she questions why he even wants it. Trying to sympathize with her, David comments that she must really care about her friend who needs the medicine. Clickers can suddenly be heard as one runs into the room. Before she can fire, David draws a pistol and shoots the clicker in the head. With Ellie surprised that he had another gun the whole time, David apologizes for not telling her. He asks for his rifle back, but Ellie refuses and tells him to use his pistol instead. The two try and fortify the room as best as possible as clickers begin to run into the windows of their room. Bullets fly as runners charge at the windows. David compliments Ellie's shooting and tells her that she's a better shot than him. Clickers enter, but continue to be gunned down by Ellie and David. David comments that there are more infected coming from one side than the other and that they must have followed Ellie. Maybe they followed you and your friend. Ellie rebuttals. This is again too, I think David, and like like we've been saying already, it's made as if we were kind of being a dead horse at this point, is trying to earn her trust. He's trying Mm -hmm. to get her name, you know, he's trying to compliment her on her shooting. He apologizes for hiding his pistol from her. He's trying every kind of, you know, nice guy tactic to kind of get on her side. Right. We don't know why though. Why would he correct? Yeah. We don't know what's, what's
1: happening here.
0: Yeah. Not wanting to stay any longer, David kicks down the door in the room that they are in and Ellie follows him out. They run from the infected and are able to block the entrance behind them and keep the infected out. They head up the building, going past old turbines that are not used anymore and up a flight of stairs. Suddenly, the flooring underneath Ellie gives way and she falls a short distance to the ground below. David yells down to her and asks if she's okay as Ellie stands up. Clickers catch up to David again and he yells for Ellie to get out of where she is. Ellie quietly moves between old machinery and infected and is able to make it back to David. They work together to find their way out of the large room of machinery, through a hallway and into another small empty room. The two collect resources they they can find and prepare. Eventually, the infected begin to make their way into the room that David and Ellie are standing in. They continue to kill the infected, running at them, but without warning, a bloater comes in from the roof of the structure and tries to kill David and Ellie. They are able to luckily put the bloater down and remain in one piece. This is kind of interesting too. We see a different dynamic from Ellie working with another adult, right? It shows a similarity, I think between her working with joel she does a good job working with david as much as she doesn't trust him and i don't think she does um but in this situation you kind of have to rely on another another person to get through it because there's so many infected coming at them
1: yeah it's it does a really good job of like the actual thing that you're doing as a character matching up with the experience like the, the the game the story is trying to make you trust and work with david that is what Mm -hmm. it's trying to do it's trying to he as a person is doing that but then also the drama of the scenario you're in this dangerous situation together you have to trust this person
0: and you know he's reliable and he helps you and he gets you you get out of danger together i think you're totally right i think it makes you or tries its best to make you trust him like he is looking out for your best interest Mm -hmm. so yeah that's very good point after composing herself ellie walks over to david who is staring out of a window he tells her to listen which she then realizes it is silent out and that there is no more infected near them. David encourages Ellie to follow him back to the deer, which she does. When they get back, David comments that he and Ellie make a good team. Ellie disagrees and said that they were lucky. David puts her reasoning down and tells her that he believes that everything happens for a reason. He comments that this particular winter has been very cruel for him and his group. A few weeks back, I uh, sent a group of men out nearby town to look for food. Only a few came back. They said that the others had been, uh, slaughtered by a crazy man. David smiles as he continues. And get this. He's a crazy man traveling with a little girl. Ellie stares at David intensely as he continues on. You see? Everything happens for a reason. Ellie picks the rifle up and points it at David. David tells her it's okay and that it's not her fault since she's just a kid james lower the gun david says ellie quickly turns to find david's friend james pointing his gun at her from behind he refuses to lower it but david tells him to do it again and he complies david also tells james to give ellie the medicine he throws the medicine to the ground by ellie's feet james comments that the others in their group won't be happy about this to which david replies that it's not james's concern ellie picks up the medicine while still aiming at james "'Move the fuck out of the way,' she says as she moves towards the door. "'You won't survive long out there,' David comments. "'I can protect you.' Ellie scoffs. (laughs) "'No thanks.' Ellie turns and runs away, leaving David and James behind. She finds her horse and rides away quickly. As she arrives at an abandoned house, Ellie continues to look behind her to make sure that she wasn't followed. She gets off of her horse and puts it in the garage of the home before closing the garage door. Ellie moves forward inside the home and down into the basement. Looking down, Ellie seems worried. Joel? Joel is laying on a mattress in the ground and covered by a blanket. His breathing can be seen due to the frigid air, which relieves Ellie. She bends down by Joel and tells him that she has a little bit of food, but has also got something else and shows him the penicillin. Having Joel move his arm out of the way, Ellie reveals the wound Joel received in his abdomen at the university. She uses the syringe and extracts the penicillin into it. Here we go, Ellie says as she brings the syringe to his wound. Joel grunts in pain as she injects the penicillin and she apologizes. She checks his forehead for a fever and tells him that he's going to make it. She positions her backpack by her head and lays down next to Joel. As Joel lays covered by his blanket, Ellie places her hand on his chest to comfort him and falls asleep. Sorry, it was hard to find a good point to stop and talk about everything that just happened, so we can kind of break it down a little oh, it's more okay. now. Yeah, we can break it down. We kind of find a good place. So mm-hmm. the interaction with David is very interesting, right? Yeah. So we yeah. now know that the men from the university where Joel received his wound, that was from David's group. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he feels victimized by the fact that this crazy man killed his men, whereas we know David's men attacked them first. Right. Right. So I think, and I think Ellie kind of knows that, like, you know. He's not right in how he feels, though David doesn't know any better. So so he feels like, my men were killed. They were slaughtered by this crazy man with this and a young girl. Um, But to Ellie, it's like, well, your men, you know, attacked us. Mm -hmm. So she's obviously not going to side with him, even though he's offering her protection, even though he's offering to let her into the group, despite what, you know, what he's been saying. Um, It's very interesting at this point. We just don't understand what his motivations are in this right you know, we don't know why
1: someone. he's he's acting this way we we know he knows more information than he was letting on and for some reason he is letting us he, he let he let us go and he gave us the medicine even though he very easily could have just killed us right there so there has there's something there um, yeah. but we we don't know what it is we don't know what it is he wants like you said we don't know what his motivations are um, right. We do know right. he's he's upset because he him and his people are suffering because of what happened, um, and they blame Joel. But we don't we don't know what's going on right now.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's very. It feels very ominous the mm-hmm. way he was telling Ellie things happen for a reason. Yeah. He's offering her protection. So mm-hmm. like, it's kind of a conflicting moment. And I don't know if that was purposeful. I don't know if David kind of just fell off. You know, it just wasn't doing as well as he was before. You know, with his the way he was speaking to Ellie, if that was a moment of weakness for him. Um, But nonetheless, it's still pretty creepy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and we also hear that, um, in that exchange with David and James, that, like, David letting Ellie go is something David wants. Not necessarily something that
0: his group wants. Right, because the group probably would very much disagree. I mean, you could see how angry James is, David's friend, pointing the gun at Ellie. He sees Ellie as this person that, you know, has victimized him, I think, for killing Mm -hmm. his friends. So the right. fact that David lets her go is very peculiar. Like, why mm-hmm. would he let that happen? Right. I mean, in my mind, also put it, to that David probably is higher up in this group to where he doesn't if have to worry about that. that. Yeah. You know, he's aware of yeah. the repercussions of that.
1: Yeah, really interesting. And then, like, we, we finally get this ease in tension, right? Now, okay, Joel's alive. Okay, she got a medicine. All right, things are looking up. Things are okay. A little bit of that tension is eased.
0: Yes, yes. Now we know Joel is alive. You know, and Ellie's doing her best to make sure she's not being followed. We see her kind of look behind her, riding the horse back to this, this abandoned house that is their hideout. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she's injecting the penicillin into Joel. And he's not really conscious, but he's kind of there. He's alive, yeah. Yeah, and we see, too, this, again, a vulnerable moment. You know, Joel's kind of, he's not responding, but he's alive. And Ellie gives him the penicillin, and he grunts, and she apologizes. And, and then she sets her back up as a pillow to lay down on, and puts her hand on, on his chest you know, as a comfort for Joel. Uh, even if he doesn't know, I mean, even if he doesn't necessarily understand or doesn't really feel her hand on him, it's it's her feeling like she's, she's kind of giving him some kind of a comfort, you know, through what he's going through. So, which is very telling about how Ellie feels.
1: Yeah, and I think now, we, there's like been this shift where the whole time, um, Joel was protecting Ellie. Joel was keeping Ellie safe, making their way through all these dangerous situations. Joel was keeping Ellie safe. And now, those roles are reversed and ellie is keeping joel safe and ellie is doing is that you know joel ellie got him food ellie got him medicine ellie is doing what she can successfully to take care of him ellie has like effectively saved his life here
0: yeah yeah it's interesting too when you see a dynamic change like that right like if we see a relationship um i mean this is a little bit different obviously but if we see like a dynamic of a relationship say where um one person is the the person that makes more money in the relationship and then it switches right and then the other person makes more money has that affect the dynamic in mm-hmm. which they conduct themselves now does the other person feel lesser than does the other right. person feel more powerful does it change in any way we kind of we don't really see that right now with mm-hmm. Joel and Ellie because Joel's kind of out with his due to his wound but we yeah. kind of see that dynamic change right like Joel is less powerful now in this situation Ellie has more kind of power nothing quote unquote yeah um, and and how she uses that is um it shows how important this relationship is to her she is trying her best to keep joel alive with what she can do um which i think is very admirable for her and shows how much she cares about joel
1: yeah and and like we've seen who who ellie is is she's lost everyone and she is not letting joel go that is why she ran away on the horse earlier that is why she is you know as strongly feels as strongly as she was, is because Joel is the only person she hasn't lost, and she is not ready to lose him um, in that way. And she would do anything she needed to to make sure he nothing happened to him.
0: Right. Yep. I think you're totally right. Yeah. The next morning, Ellie wakes up to hear voices outside the house that they're staying in. Quickly, she gets up and checks out the window to find three men looking around the town. She realizes that they tracked her and goes back down to see Joel. Ellie tells him that she's gonna draw them away from their hideout, and that she'll be back for him. And at this point, too, we don't necessarily under uh, Joel isn't really conscious. You know, like he's not. I don't think he's really hearing. But Ellie's saying just in case, like just in case he somehow knows. And here's this
1: tension, right? Like just as that tension was eased, Mm -hmm. now here's another. Here's something else. One one thread kind of starts to go down, and right away, within the next scene, that starts to rise back up again.
0: And there's that an inexperience again, right? Ellie tried yeah. her best to make sure she wasn't tracked, but still was tracked, you know, yeah. still. And so, yeah, is, what can you do? You know, she's still learning these things. And right. if it had been Joel, could he have done better? Possibly. We don't know. Yeah. We don't really see Joel in that situation, but you can probably imagine he would have a better understanding of what to do.
1: Which I think, as
0: we're going to see, is, is
1: it hinting what artwork are supposed to be our takeaway from this experience, right? Mm-hmm. We our hint at what we're going to learn is Ellie is doing her best and she's doing a great job, but these little mistakes she might be making... Um, are, are heading things in a certain direction.
0: Right. Outside, Ellie gets her horse ready and quietly tries to get away from the two men that are looking for her. Unfortunately, she is grabbed by the third man, who screams that he's got her. Quickly, Ellie pulls out her knife and stabs the man in the throat, killing him. As the men try to shoot her, Ellie rides away down the road. She sees more people running towards her from all angles of the road and trying to get her off her horse. Racing down the road, she antagonizes the gang members in order to have them focus on her, and get away from Joel. As both fly at Ellie, one hits her horse in the head, sending it down along with Ellie. She tumbles down past a large rock, but gets up and runs to a nearby abandoned home and continues to move to another as she makes her way from her attackers. Finding what looks like a state park, Ellie goes up a flight of stairs and finding an open tunnel on the mountainside, she goes inside of it. She moves deeper inside the tunnel and comes out the other side to the more of the same terrain. She finds a large lodge she goes into that's occupied by more gang members. She suddenly makes her way inside, using her bow to quietly kill those chasing after her. As Ellie finds an accident, she's attacked from behind by David, who puts her in a rear chokehold. Ellie tries to stab David with her knife, but he's able to choke her unconscious before she's able to do so. As Ellie wakes up in a cage, she finds James, David's friend, chopping off a human hand from its body and discarding it. James says nothing as Ellie gets up and tries to get the cage open. As she struggles, David walks in with food and asks her how she's doing. He places the food on the ground and slides it under the cage door to Ellie. Ellie asks him what the food is, in which he states is deer, With some human helping on the side? Questions Ellie. No. David replies and promises her it's deer. Ellie quickly bends down to the food and eats it frantically. Ellie calls David a fucking animal, which makes him laugh. He comments on her and Joel killing his men. Ellie replies by telling him that they did not have a choice. You kill to survive, and so do we, David tells her. We have to take care of our own by any means necessary. Breaking this down, mm-hmm. we're, we're coming to understand that David's group is, you know, he mentioned before it's been a very cruel winter. So it looks like you put the puzzle pieces together, they, they've resorted to cannibalism to survive. right, right. right um and ellie i'm i'm still surprised something that really surprised me was like ellie is like what is this and david's like it's deer and she questions is there human in it and he says no and she immediately bends down to eat it and i would still be super skeptical (laughs) that there was not human meat in that dish and i think um which what we'll see more of is now that we kind of see and
1: what's really interesting is david is still being really kind to ellie yeah. right he's still going on his way to be kind to her and by and i think by saying you know this is deer and she eats it there's some trust there right she in some way trusts him because she has decided to eat whatever it was yeah. That, yeah. that she's given him so there there are, is some trust so what he was trying to do which is build that trust in in some way obviously she doesn't touch him completely but there's some something that's been built there and one of the things i noticed while you were reading this um, that i never picked up on before is what we we're talking about those mistakes that ellie made all mm-hmm. throughout this is reflecting is all those mistakes were because she was trying to protect joel right like every mistake right. she made was all related to the person she cares about which this whole game has been telling us if you have people you care about they're going to lead you to make mistakes and they're going to lead you yeah. to get yourself in danger which i think is i didn't even really realize until kind of reflecting on this more
0: yeah, that's actually a really good point. I don't think I, I don't think I focus on that either at all. Actually, yeah. Uh, so I was, I was focused way more on on David and Ellie's relationship, but that is a, a fantastic view point that I think you found here. And that, yeah, putting yourself out there. And We've seen that time and time again. Like you said, mm-hmm. like we said previously, actually, just a little bit ago, that you know people that you care about will get hurt in this if you yeah. continue down this path. So yeah, very interesting. Very curious what David's motivation is in all of this because Ellie killed another person. Right. You know and in the game you can choose I think you can choose to kill more people as they're shooting at you I can't remember if you can or not but you know when I played I didn't focus on that and in the the playthrough I watched again uh, doing the script she didn't do it either so but regardless another person died and David's still trying to get her on his side right still trying to keep safe and when she
1: tries to communicate with James like he isn't having it so there's still that tension of um, what David wants versus what it seems like the rest wants
0: Yes, yeah. Ellie questions if she'll be chopped up into tiny pieces, but David tells her that he'd rather not. Asking for her name, Ellie throws the food away from her. She doesn't believe him, but he assures her he's being honest and that he needs something to help convince the others that she can come around. You have a heart. You're loyal. And you're special. David says as he places his hand on Ellie's hand, holding the bar of the cage door. Ellie stares at David and places her other hand on his for a moment before breaking his finger and going for the keys dangling from his jeans. Using his other hand, David grabs Ellie's arm and slams her into the cage door several times. You stupid little girl, David yells at Ellie. He comments that it's going to be even harder to keep her alive now. Ellie, she says, wiping blood away from her nose. What? David replies. Ellie continues. Ellie, is the little girl that just broke your fucking finger. Taking a moment, David asks her, How'd you put it? Hmm? Little pieces? Holding his broken finger, he begins to watch the door. See you in the morning, Ellie. I still don't have a clear understanding of where David's going with this, but I kind of do. Do you have a...
1: So... Uh, my uh, in when i was playing this i i don't think i had full context looking back now i i kind of see that david is kind of trying to groom ellie right like he's trying to win her trust at this point because uh, as soon as i heard the words you're special Mm -hmm. you have a heart you're loyal you're special and then it's going to be even harder for me to convince everybody to keep you alive he is the one fighting for her he is the one that cares about her and he says that he thinks she is special so the right. if, to me that makes me think the reason that he is trying to win her trust is because he cares for her in some uh, possibly creepy way, um, and all throughout then looking back at every every interaction they've had he's all been attempting to, to win her trust in some way, and that is like to me a pretty clear um, like pretty clear uh, attempt at like grooming an individual like trying to make somebody. Um, trust you and believe in you so that you can then do things that aren't good to them um, because they trust you.
0: Exactly. That's exactly right. And I don't want to like take too much liberty with saying all this stuff because I'm, I'm a therapist. So I've worked uh, yeah. predominantly with predominantly kids you have, in the situations yeah. like this. Um, and, and there are definitely stories I've heard that, you know, I, I didn't, think of the first time because i wasn't a therapist yet but playing through this and watching this story again it was like red flag after red flag after red flag like you said telling her that she's special trying to be on her side and the moment he puts his hand on her hand yeah, you know me. without without asking he just does it as a sign of like compassion i care about you i'm putting my hand on your hand without your permission yes it is like clear grooming by mm-hmm. this individual um for for like you said probably pretty awful things, right? Right. Like he's definitely has intentions and I don't think that they're pure. Um, He's not trying to save Ellie for the sake of saving Ellie. If Mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Which I'm glad Ellie sees through or whether she doesn't see through or not, just does not trust him, which good on her. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, be really hard. Right. Right. And, and unfortunately this is how grooming happens. You know, this is how, this is how this happens. The Mm -hmm. predator is going to sympathize and be kind and, and buy things or show compassion. So like we see David, he's telling her she's special. He gives her food, promises he's not human, uh, you know, puts his hand on hers, defends her from clickers. He's trying to be this hero in her mind and, and earn her trust. Um, but Ellie's just not that person. Right. You know, she's not gonna do those things. Mm. I'm glad that the game doesn't or I'm glad that the story doesn't throw it in your face that David is more than likely a pedophile and is trying to groom Ellie, that you put the pieces together and understand this dude is a creep. Yeah. this dude is, has bad intentions, and we should not trust him.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the un- another really telling part is when he like snaps at her, and mm-hmm. like so quickly as soon as he is denied, Snow so quickly like screams that. It's going to be hard to keep you alive now. Um, how did you say? What did you say? Cut you in pieces? Like, so quickly did he go yes. from, I trust you. You're special. I care about you. I want you to be safe, too. All right, I guess you're going to die now because you've denied me in some way. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Okay. I mean, look how quickly, like you said. Actually, this is a great point. I think I looked over. Uh, look how quickly he's able to re- uh, revert and just takes her and smashes her into the cage three times. Yeah. You know, causing her to bleed out her nose and, and you, know, you know, injure her face and her head. But you know, but he's this person that cares so much about her. She's special. But then he yeah. just quickly, bam, 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 smashes her into this cage. Uh, that's not someone that you know. He's saying these things, but he's not following through on what he's right. saying. Yeah. So David's a bad dude. He's a creepy guy.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, David, terrible, super creepy. Don't like him at all. But what an interesting antagonist to put us up against in such a in such a way that like very seldom do you see a character who in these types of stories, um, who does these types of things who isn't Mm -hmm. like outright evil is like actively trying to be nice to you not because like I'm a big bad villain and I like to do bad things but because of some own gross things that they want to do
0: right and I mean especially too in this situation and I'm like this is kind of getting further into creepy territory but like you find a you know david finds a young girl and then look at the the efforts he's going to get her right he's sending his men after her at the point where she's killing them and he's still trying to win her so yeah there's there's definitely more going on and like you said very uh interesting antagonist to place in this situation with a vulnerable girl trying to protect the things that she's trying to protect very a very smart antagonist to place i think very interesting yeah for sure yeah very. Instead of just another person trying to survive, you know, there's more intention here and mm-hmm. you get to piece together that the, that intention is very terrifying, more so than probably we've gone through so far with the story, at least from a human aspect. The clickers are terrifying, but we don't have to worry about this aspect from David from the clickers. You know, this right. is a whole different territory we're, we're focusing in on now. So.
1: Yeah, or like the smugglers we met in the city. Like, they just want to kill you and take your stuff. Like, this feels yes. more scary and more, like, a worse fate than just being killed and your stuff being stolen. Right? Exactly. Like, it's, it's much more dangerous and, and, and super spooky.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah. At that moment, back at their hideout, Joel suddenly wakes up. Looking around, he tries to get up, but grunts in pain, holding his wound. Ellie? Joel softly calls for Ellie, but does not hear any response back. He painfully gets off the ground and calls for Ellie again, but no response. He picks up his backpack and slowly makes his way upstairs to the main floor of the house that they are using as a hideout. Leaving through the garage, Joel continues to call for Ellie and wonders where she could be. Moving through the town and struggling with the pain of his wound, Joel runs into some men from David's group. He yells out demanding to know where Ellie is. After taking down a few men, Joel struggles forward as he runs into more. One way or another. You're going to tell me. Screams out Joel. So, okay. So this is a good moment. I put this in the note because I really want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So in this moment, Joel gets up. He's looking for Ellie, right? He spots David's men. He immediately wants to know where Ellie is. He's shooting them. He's killing them. He wants information. And as as the person watching this, I started to question what Joel's motivation is for Ellie, right? Is Mm -hmm. this I care for this person and I want them safe? Or is this... I need this person because I need to save the world. We need to stop the infection. Right. It's very two very different motivations mm-hmm. where we have Ellie as a person and we have Ellie as more of a, a means to an end, right? Mm-hmm. So where's Joel's motivation in this? And that's kind of what I had in my mind as I watched this. And I really liked this story, this part of the game a lot because we kind of understand Joel's motivations as it progresses. Yeah. Did you have that thought at all when you played? Do you remember...
1: So I didn't think about that, although like that is such an incredible way to look at this last piece, this last kind of last couple arcs that I never thought of. So uh, that that what a great uh, way to frame this that I didn't think of. But I mean, it it certainly feels like Joel. This isn't coming from he he. I don't think from who we know Joel is. I don't think Joel all that much cares about saving the world. It it doesn't seem Mm -hmm. like that's something that has ever interested him. um, Other than like. Uh, what other people have told him but in this moment it's certainly the amount of rage he's feeling the amount of like mm-hmm. anger he's feeling it certainly feels much more like he cares about ellie he wants yeah. to keep ellie safe no matter what it takes yeah at least yeah. that's my kind of perspective and I, I that may change as as the story progresses um but that is kind of in this moment what i what i'm kind of what i'm kind of seeing yeah but what yeah, yeah what a really great kind of lens to look at this through i never thought of that
0: and maybe it's more in terms of like him not you're i think you're totally right there's definitely evidence where he just does not care about saving this world that's like kind of too far gone for that and at the same time having an obligation to like tests or maybe mm-hmm. even yeah uh, of course I, I think yeah and maybe even having an argument to say that you can have a obligation to henry and sam being so close to them and i'm dying this could this could end that suffering right getting mm-hmm. yeah. this girl to the to the fireflies could end all of this you know and maybe in in And and honestly, too, as I'm talking about this, it could be a little bit of both. We don't even know. Right. Yeah. Why not black and white? Yeah. Yeah, Why not both? Um, So I was very curious seeing Joel, who with this with this horrible wound, pushing himself to get Ellie. Right. Where he should probably be dead, um, but he's still alive and he's still pushing through. He's able to to kill men who are in much better condition than he is right now. And that's just a testament to how badly he wants to find Ellie. At least from my perspective. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think uh, it may even be to Joel,
1: these they, these two are too, so intertwined that he, he isn't even thinking about that in this moment. But yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah very interesting. I think that's a good lens to look through, like the entirety of now that they have this relationship, looking at the entire rest of this experience in that way, I think is really useful.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I mean, not to go too far, but I think this story it does a great job with again, relationships. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think this mm-hmm. latter half of the game is fantastic with relationship mm-hmm. dynamics and how they differ and how they change for good and bad. I think it just does a great job at character dynamics for the story.
1: Yeah, and I think set up against like the, the first chunk, especially at least the first half that we focused on, was really about here's the world, here's what it's like to move to the world when you have relationships. And now you're developing this relationship, here's what it's going to look like for you here's the things you're going to have to overcome if you want this relationship
0: right this is a test you know how far you're going to go yeah yeah or what are you what are you willing to do Mm -hmm. to sacrifice to to get this back yeah right very cool as joel continues to look for more men he's ambushed and grabbed from behind as one of the men goes for joel with a knife joel kicks him in the groin and headbutts the man holding him before smashing him into the house behind them With both men knocked out, Joel takes them one at a time into the nearby house. He ties one up to a chair so that he can't get away and then handcuffs the other to a radiator behind the chair and begins to beat the man at the radiator. The man tied to the chair can only listen as Joel beats his friend. Stopping for a moment, Joel walks over to the man bound in the chair, grabs a knife from the table, and pulls up another chair in front of him. The girl, Joel says sternly. Is she alive? The man bound to the chair plays dumb and says he doesn't know any girl. Raising the knife in the air, Joel plunges it into the man's left knee. The man screams in pain, but Joel slaps him in the face and tells him to focus. Asking where Ellie is again, the man breaks. She's alive. She's David's newest pet, he says in agony. Continuing to hurt the man in the chair, Joel learns that Ellie is being kept in the town. Joel pulls the knife out of the man's knee and puts the handle in his mouth. Now you're going to mark it on the map. Joel tells him holding the map to the man's face. And it better be the same spot your body put and it better be the same spot your buddy points to. Mark it. The man uses the bloody knife to mark Ellie's location. He encourages Joel to ask the other man and that he's not lying. As Joel walks behind the chair, he wraps his arm around the bound man's neck and breaks it. The man handcuffed to the radiator watches in horror as Joel kills his friend. Fuck you, man. He told you what you wanted. I ain't telling you shit, the handcuffed man says to Joel. Joel picks up a metal pipe from the ground. That's all right. I believe him. As the handcuffed man begs Joel to wait, Joel brings down the metal pipe onto his face, killing him. What a powerful moment. Yeah. Again, we're learning more about Joel and how far he'll go to save Ellie. Mm-hmm. Though I, I would still, I, I think I, I lean more now into like he cares about Ellie, right? That yeah didn't to save the world still i wasn't like 100 percent sure and we also find a little a little bit of information here uh when the man in the chair breaks he's like she's alive she's david's newest pet yeah it's very telling as to david's motivations and the things that he's done in the past mm-hmm. yeah. so which is unfortunate
1: i think this is like just further affirming that like joel has done terrible things in the past because he does like he knows what he's doing there's no question at least in my mind that he is he knows what he's doing here um he knows you know what to do how to ask how to get the information he wants and he gets it um and then he without question just kills these two men um all because he will do whatever he needs to do for whatever reason i don't think we've fully figured out i think we have what we believe but for whatever reason he will do whatever it
0: takes to find ellie Yes. Yep. Yeah. And what an interesting way to find out yeah. how, how cool, I, I mean, maybe cool is not the right word, but just very interesting. <laughs> yeah. He has the man, he tells like, you better mark where your buddy's going to point You're both dead. And the man marks it. And then after killing the, the man bound to the chair, the one handcuffed to the radio is like, I'm not telling you anything. And Joel's like, that's okay. I believe the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, just you know, like, like uh,
1: ruthless. Yeah, it's yeah. mind games. Mind yeah, games.
0: and you can tell Joel's done this before. Like this <laughs> is not a tactic he just came up with. Like this is something that he's relied on in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It, Very, it just yeah. really kind of
1: it, like you said, it shows more of who Joel is. Like the the Joel that we've seen, um, and what a perfect time to kind of show this in in the arc of the story. The Joel that we've seen, you know. He he's done some stuff, but he's he's kind-hearted and he will do what he needs to do and he will protect the people he cares about. But now that we see that the people he cares about are in danger, there is nothing that he won't do. Um, no matter how like violent, no matter how disturbing, there is nothing he won't do to find that person or get the things that he wants.
0: Right, right. And it goes back to you know sometimes good people have to do bad things. Yeah, yeah. Discussion. I don't know. Are you a fan of Samurai Jack? Of there course. That, yeah, Samurai show, Jack is a great show. Have you, yeah. Have you watched the fifth season at all? No, I haven't. Oh okay, so in the fifth season, not, I no big spoilers, and if you're waiting to watch Samurai Jack for this fifth season, just like, skip over this part really fast. <laughs> but they make that lesson, too, that, you know, sometimes good people have to do bad things, you know, mm-hmm. and Jack has to kind of, like, reconcile with the fact that he might have to kill an actual person, you right. know? And so what that means is that make you a good person still? What, that, you know, what can that lead to? And it's a really cool discussion that that show, Samurai Jack, has... Um, and that i really see in the, in this game as well so yeah. uh you know if you like kind of that stuff check out samurai jack season five it's fantastic great great show that season yeah. especially was my favorite but yeah good people have to do bad things is joel a bad person that's a really hard discussion and i yeah. think it's different perspectives would dis- disagree uh, disagree with one another i think a lot of people mm-hmm. would say he is a good person a lot of people would say well he's kind of pretty bad you know right he's trying to do good things but he's a pretty bad person for what he does it's a very hard line to or you know or is it even the line to draw you know is it black and white or is there a lot of gray which i would Mm -hmm. probably say is a lot of gray
1: (laughs) yeah and i think it's going back to kind of like similar with some of the other games we've we've talked about is it's asking these big moral human questions like do the ends justify the means is it is it okay to do to torture and kill people if it gets you a person who could possibly save every human in the world um, you right. know what i mean like is that how do you weigh those things um and i think like you said i think what
0: they're trying to show in this story is everything is gray yes yep. yeah i think you're totally right yeah there's no black and white in this yeah mm-hmm. it's just people surviving and doing what they feel like they need to do right. whether that's a good thing or a bad thing like right. you know i don't know yeah it's it's pretty yeah pretty intense yeah, and because of
1: the experiences they've had. Like, would Joel be doing this if he had lost his daughter at the very start of this? You know what I mean? Like, right, because of right. the things he's experienced, this is what he believes, and, and all the flaws come with that, but he, he has no control over that, right? He is just... Like like we've talked about, these are what his feelings are. This is how he knows yep. to manage them. This is all he knows, So this is what he's going to do, because that's who he is as a person.
0: I'm curious what you think, too, about this. Like, do you think that Joel would be uh the same lesser than or most more so ruthless if sarah had survived i think if sarah would have survived
1: i don't think we would have the same joel we had now because but again like it's hard to know how that would have played out but if sarah would have survived and he could have kept her safe for a period of time i don't think we would have the same joel i think in that moment joel the only the person joel cared most about in the world was killed not by the monsters that were doing these things, but by a person who was doing what they were like doing what they had to do, right? Mm-hmm. I think that changed him so dramatically that at least that's kind of how I project his arc. Changed him so yeah. dramatically that all there, his moral compass was gone right then and there. Um, right. You know what I mean? Because of this trauma that he was put through, because mm-hmm. this experience that he was put through that no one should have to go through, he had to experience, and then he had to live the rest of his life knowing that as well as the world falling apart around him and everybody else he cares about and that yep. he knows dying because of this horrible
0: thing um, what about yeah. you what do you think I think that I think you're trying to make a good point too and I think I would actually uh, my perspective would be more I think he would be the same if not more so aggressive mm-hmm. because I think you're right I think he was definitely traumatized from Sarah's death very fast you know and he kind of became this. his moral compass kind of just died with Sarah Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think knowing Joel and seeing how hard he fights for Ellie Mm -hmm. in this situation right now trying to find her killing and doing whatever he needs to I think if he had Sarah going through everything that he did that he would be doing whatever he could to keep her alive meaning that he would be doing some pretty awful things to to make sure that she's safe so I think again Joel would still be this way if not maybe even more so that's a that's a really interesting perspective i
1: also think i'm also curious um if he would have even made it right if sarah was alive because we've like we've seen in this world if you have people you care about you make mistakes and you let people in would he have survived this long if he was trying to protect uh, uh, uh however old i think 14 or whatever however old sarah was if he was keeping himself safe and also protecting sarah could he have even made it this far is the yeah. reason he's alive and still able to survive is because he didn't have anybody else. He didn't have to worry about keeping someone safe.
0: Um, that's a fantastic I, perspective on yeah. that, actually. It's a really mm-hmm. good point. You're right, we've seen that many times in the story. So yeah. you're right. That's, that's, very, that's a very valid point. Yeah, interesting. That's very interesting. The scene changes as we watch sleeping Ellie woken up and pulled out of her cage by a random member of David's group. David is behind him and puts his hand on Ellie's shoulder to help control her before she bites down on his hand angry now david knees her in the stomach and he and the other member of the group lift ellie onto the human butcher table they hold her down as david tells her that he warned her he lifts up a butcher's knife ready to bring it down when ellie screams out i'm infected i'm infected david slamming the knife into the table calls her bluff before ellie says and so are you to him she tells him to roll up her sleeve and as he does he finds her bite mark Ellie says. What'd you say? Everything happens for a reason, right? David and the other group member argue over if the bite is real or not. Taking the opportunity, Ellie grabs David's knife and slices into the other group member's neck before rolling off the table. David shoots at her as she runs away. In the next room, Ellie finds her knife and jumps out the nearby window to escape. The snow has picked up and Ellie is having a hard time seeing as she's running away. Gunshots are heard from behind her as she runs into nearby buildings, moving through each one. She makes it into the kitchen of a large restaurant, and as she tries to leave, David cuts her off. He throws her back inside, knocking over a lit lantern, and locks the door. He tells her that if she wants out, that she'll need his keys. David continues to taunt her, trying to get her to come out. Ellie moves through the rows of seats in the the restaurant, carefully not making any noise, Ellie gets behind David and stabs him in his upper chest. He throws her off and tries to shoot her as she runs away. David begins to chase her with a machete and continues to taunt her. The building is now caught on fire due to the smashed lantern that David knocked over. Getting behind him again, Ellie stabs David and runs away. Run, little rabbit, run, David says. Again, Ellie quietly moves to the restaurant, and David now does the same. Ellie struggles to hear him as he sneaks around trying to find her. Luckily, Ellie is able to get behind him again and stabs him in the chest once more, and they both fall to the ground. This moment... I don't know about you, Ryan. scared the crap out of me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was so scary. I felt like... uh, Putting yourself in Ellie's shoes, what a terrifying situation. Mm -hmm. Especially when you can't hear him anymore. That is, like, just... Oof. Yeah, I remember struggling a lot. Especially with that third the third part when he starts to sneak around too it's like
2: ooh yeah it's yeah. very scary
0: it's really scary
1: and and i think does a really good job of as as a person experiencing this feeling scared but then also mm-hmm. like like you said ellie is like going through this like really scary traumatic experience where she's being like chased by this like now we know completely like psychopath right yeah. um who ha- it just wants to do all kinds of terrible things to her and was getting ready to like chop her into pieces um, right. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, yeah. It was a really scary
0: scene. It's where he goes full predator, literally. Yeah. You no, know Like. Yeah. What a good. Yeah. What a good parallel. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Joel is moving through the heavy snow now. He hears David's group talking about Ellie being infected and trying to find her, killing the group members along the way. Joel eventually finds the restaurant Ellie's inside of on fire. Back to Ellie, she rolls off the ground and slowly begins to crawl to, towards David's machete laying under a booth chair. David suddenly kicks Ellie in the stomach, sending her rolling over in pain. He tells Ellie it's okay to give up, while wearing a smile on his face. He says there's no shame in it, as he holds pressure on his knife wounds. Ellie continues to move slowly towards the machete, but is kicked again. David rolls her over and begins to choke her, telling Ellie that she has no idea what David is capable of. Reaching behind her desperately, Ellie is able to grab the machete and slashes David with it, sending him over on his side. Ellie quickly gets up and onto David and brings the machete down on him over and over and over again. Ellie! Joel quickly runs to Ellie to stop her. She fights with him and tells him not to touch her. It's me, Joel says over and over to help Ellie calm down. He tried to. It was all Ellie could say before breaking down. And Joel hugs her tight. Oh, baby girl, Joel says as he consoles Ellie. It's okay. It's okay. Joel holds Ellie's head in his hand as he tells her something that cannot be heard. Ellie, with tears coming down her face, nods, and they both get up and walk away. They leave the restaurant as the view pans out back to the bloody machete sticking upright. And the scene fades to black. The scene is so... I think... So the next part of the game is where a lot of people have their favorite scene. At least Mm -hmm. that's what I've kind of heard uh, throughout, you know on the internet and whatnot but I think this might be my favorite scene of the game yeah it's Um, really powerful it's a really powerful scene it's a really powerful moment and this is for sure when you know that Joel's at least from my perspective but I mean I would really I would really argue this is when you know for sure that Joel is saving Ellie because he cares about Ellie and the biggest way we know that is that when she breaks down and he hugs her he says oh baby girl yeah right Mm -hmm. it's the same exact words he used for Sarah when she's dying. Says, Hold on, baby girl, you can do this, you're gonna be okay. That's how you know Joel cares, right? That's how he's, he's placed so much, he's invested so much care into Ellie and he, he cares about her so much. That's how you know his motivation behind all this. He cares for Ellie, he wants her safe. He I, this, is, this is a parental figure caring for, you know, this uh, offspring, essentially. It's a bad way to phrase it, but like, you know, this is a parental figure caring about their daughter, essentially. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Ellie, cool I think moment. becomes like the daughter analog in this in this experience in this now. And I think what another really powerful piece to this scene is that moment where Joel says something to Ellie, and it's it's something that's so powerful that not even we get to hear it, right? Like it's something that only Great. they get to share. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's only so, it's something just between them that I think also kind of really elevates it to this like to them being together. And Ellie has gone through this like incredibly traumatic experience and in the end like joel was there to save her but uh, you know she still had to go through this traumatic experience and i think this whole part with david and this whole i think winter scene is kind of again further highlighting that when you really care about people you're gonna make mistakes trying to protect them but in the end like they can help keep you safe and i think it, it fully kind of connects joel and ellie and that Joel, Ellie, saved Joel's life, and now Ellie, and now Joel, didn't necessarily save her life in this moment, but kind of is there to comfort her after she has this traumatic experience in a way that she's never had somebody to comfort her. She's never been right. comforted before. Um, and now here's somebody who's doing that for her.
0: I would even say, too, if I was supposed to, like, if I was asked to label the lesson of this part of the story, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say we see a lot of elements of parents parental figures willing and, and not willing in this situation necessarily uh, to allow the baby bird to fly, right? We're seeing yeah. Ellie go out on her own and try to survive in this world, you know, which is what every parent has to kind of do when their kids get old enough, right? They have to go out and just now be a part of the world. They're on their own. And that's kind of what Ellie has been going through. It's that struggle of, you know, the, the, in this case, the daddy bird kind of letting the, the, the baby go and you know obviously Joel does not want that in this situation I think Joel would argue against Ellie ever going out on her own because of the situation That's kind of what we have to see and just uh, and and how you know it's every parent's worst fear for their child to run into problems right Mm -hmm. and there's no way you can shelter your child from those problems and we see that too Joel has just barely made it to the point where he could have stopped Ellie from killing David right but she still ends up having to kill him and she's still traumatized and that just kind of happens with every kid there's every moment that you know will traumatize a child Mm -hmm. and it's just there's nothing a parent can really do about it they can't stop it from happening every time And that's what i kind of see in this whole scenario yeah that's a really good perspective yeah i think i think i i think i fully agree i think
1: this whole uh they've they've taken time to establish this relationship and then here is like what, what it looks like when Ellie is kind of off on her own and she gets into trouble and she, because she was surviving and being successful but then like because of some inexperience that she had and because she was trying to protect Joel she, so they, these, these mistakes were made or these things happened and now she was put in this like really traumatic experience and Joel wasn't able to save her from that experience he was there to comfort her but he wasn't able to save her and as we'll kind of see um, kind of moving forward this trauma um, kind of sticks with her um, and she holds right. on to it. Um, and, and as much as I think if Joel wasn't there, it would have been worse. Um, she wasn't able to save her from it.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's, I, I think there's a lot of, too, uh, in this in this segment of the story, a lot of reflections of kind of the the child learning from parents, whether mm-hmm. it is intentional or unintentional, right? We see, I think I saw a lot of Joel in Ellie. Whether yeah. Besides the mistakes that she made, a lot of the things that she's doing are things that Joel... She's seen Joel do, right? It's modeling behaviors, Mm -hmm. parental modeling of behaviors, right? And how every parent, I think, has the best intentions for the child, but the child will pick up on those behaviors that even you don't want them to do, right? So, like, and I've worked, I can tell you, many parents I've worked with that swear. Right, constantly. And so when their kids do, they're like, Why is my kid swearing? You know, like, why? What is happening? Why, I never <laughs> yeah. taught my kid to swear. And yeah. it's like, Well, you, you swear constantly in front of this child, and this child is trying to get your praise, your admiration. What better way to do that than to act like you? Mm-hmm. Right. But now they're getting that, that backlash. Like, you can't swear. What are your kid? What are you doing? Yeah. You know, so my point is, though, is that that's what we're seeing from Ellie, right? Mm-hmm. We're seeing these behaviors that she has watched Joel do several times now um and now she can do them on her own because she's watched enough she's learned enough Um, so it's a lot of parental modeling that i think i've seen in this this segment at least yeah and like
1: the first time she did it she looked to him for admiration right like connecting with what you said she she wanted that admiration the first time she had to kill somebody because that's what she saw him do right and that, that, that that played out in that scene but that exact thing happened like she killed somebody trying to protect Joel, and then she wanted that praise. She wanted, like, yes. do you see I did it? Just like just like you kind of taught me, just like you wanted me to do. Um, exactly. And now we, we see that kind of fully, you know, taking itself further, and I think it's going to really inform who Ellie is.
0: Great. That's a great connection. I totally forgot about that, and I, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's exactly what, yes, that's exactly what's being said here. The child will always ask for praise, by Modeling the behavior they think they should be modeling, mm-hmm. and I mean, essentially too. When you at I me, mean, break it down. Ellie's doing the right things, right? This is yeah. Joel is yeah. trying to teach her to survive, and she's doing a fantastic job of doing it. And she does it, right? Mm-hmm. She's able to stop a, a, a middle-aged man from from hurting her. That's you know, and that's amazing. But there's also that 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 trauma aspect. There's always a yeah. negative to the positive, you know, and so not always, but um, in this situation, there is, right? So now Ellie's kind of grown up a little bit faster than maybe she should because of
1: this experience yeah that's that's a really good point she just like you know joel has to live with this because joel has taught ellie ellie now has to live with this so kind of what we'll see in i think lots of games as we talk about them is that that people will take the lessons you give them but they also then have to deal with the consequences the the sins of the father and all that right like yes you you have to then live with those choices that person makes you don't get to separate yourself from them
0: and what, yeah, yeah, totally. And what stinks too in this situation, as much as I like these characters, uh, I would argue that Joel is not the best person to learn these things from, right? Yeah. Because yeah. As, as effective as Joel, I mean, Joel, I, should, I should backtrack a little bit. Joel is a great example of how to survive in this world. He is not a good example of how to cope with dealing with this world. Right. How to live. Right. Yeah. Yes. He, is, he has no good coping skills, no healthy coping skills, right? He's very shut off from his emotions, which is not healthy. It's not Mm -hmm. healthy for Joel at all. Um, So, you know, it's unfortunate that Ellie's learned how to do these things, but does not know how to cope with it. And we kind of, like you said, she holds on to that trauma, Mm -hmm. and we kind of see that later on too. So, that's yeah, a very interesting dynamic. And I'm actually, I'm curious too. Before we move on, do you have any thoughts of what was said between Joel and Ellie that we couldn't understand or couldn't hear?
1: My, I mean, my best guess is, uh, is my first thought was like i'm gonna protect you i'm gonna keep you safe i care about you like something like that where he is telling her i will keep you safe i will make sure this doesn't happen again maybe even like an i love you in there right like something to like fully affirm his care in a relationship for her that's that's my Mm -hmm. best guess
0: um but i'm who knows right yeah and I think you made it I think the way you phrased it was very perfect this is a moment for them not so much for the viewer of their story yeah which I think is a very beautiful thing Mm -hmm. you know these characters who are essentially not real they're still they're still real for the viewer right they're still we still care about their dynamic we still care about their their you know their safety Um, so the fact that they can have this moment is very touching
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah very cool moment so good the scene opens to see Ellie staring at the shape of a deer embedded in a concrete wall on the highway it is spring now and the snow has melted Joel calls for Ellie who doesn't hear him due to being so focused on the deer she turns around to see Joel point she turns around to see Joel pointing at the hospital in the distance This is where we're getting off Joel tells her let's go kiddo Joel and Ellie begin to walk off exit 309 to Salt Lake City <laughs> you feel that breeze, huh? I tell you on a day like this I just sit on my porch pick away at my six string. Yeah, once we're done with this whole thing, I'm going to teach you how to play guitar. Yeah, I reckon you really like that. Joel says happily to Ellie. I want to stop here really quick too. How interesting that we see Joel open, he's he's talking so much. He's talking so much and sharing his feelings. Yeah, like what what a dynamic change, you know, that we saw from the beginning of the game. It's so cool. I love stuff like this. I love seeing character growth. So very fun to watch and talk about playing the guitar and enjoying the breeze. Like, so cool. So cool. Yeah, and
1: it's also just, again, like this, we, we had this role reversal, right? Where we were, we were following Ellie's story, and now we're back to following Joel, but they feel different. Ellie feels distant and thinking about things and not quite all there. And Joel is, like, excited and talking and open, um, kind of reflecting how, what they both took away from that previous experience, right?
0: Right, right. And I would even, too, connect it to the beginning of the game. So yeah. what, what did we have in the beginning? We had a, a very optimistic Ellie and a very closed-off Joel. And now, on the opposite side, towards the end of the game, we have a very optimistic Joel and a very closed-off Ellie. Yeah. What, is, and what a switch.
1: Yeah, she's, she's had some of these traumatic experiences that Joel has now already worked through and already processed and is kind of on the mm-hmm. other end of it in some ways because he's found somebody he cares about and wants to have a life with or she is still processing the trauma that she just experienced and hasn't quite worked through it but their relationship isn't quite i don't know if it's quite there yet that he's recognizing
0: yes yeah yeah i agree i I think he doesn't quite understand too what's happening
1: yeah and it could also even be that she isn't thinking about that trauma but also thinking about is he gonna leave once we get to this hospital right that might even be something else that's on her mind she might processing other things, um, if not that past trauma that she just experienced, like the future might feel unsure to her and he's trying to assure her, but she's still kind of lost in that thought.
0: It's probably a very, and now, now that they're at the, their destination, right, The the hospital is within view, it's kind of like that feeling of, you know, you're going towards something for so long then the moment's there right this is where you're going to and this is the destination what happens after that like you're saying what's that uncertainty of well, what's going to happen after this is over you know yeah. what should i expect when this is all done what's like what's my purpose after this yeah and this yeah. is very important to Ellie too this being this person that is is immune to the disease and could potentially help save the world i think that's a, a big weight that's on Ellie's shoulders that we don't really focus on a whole lot throughout this game Ellie ellie remains quiet as Joel waits for a response huh uh, oh yeah Sure, that sounds great, Ellie quickly says. The two remain quiet as they continue past old vehicles that have been sitting on the highway for 20 years. After collecting resources from a mobile home, Joel walks out to find Ellie staring at the image of an airplane that's on the side of an old bus. I dreamt about flying the other night, Ellie tells Joel as he meets with her. Joel shows interest and asks her to tell him about it. So, I'm in this big plane full of people, and everyone is screaming and yelling, because the plane's going down. So I walk to the cockpit, open the door, but there's no pilot. I try to use the controls, but I obviously have no clue how to fly a plane. And right before we crash, I wake up. I've never been on a plane. Isn't that weird? Joel replies, Well, you know, dreams are weird. Do you have any thought on that dream at all? Does that mean anything to you? Um,
1: I mean, it most certainly has meaning um, because normally I don't know if I think dreams have meaning, but I think in the context that a writer wrote this dream and put it in, yeah. there is certainly meaning there. My best guess is that like the world is that plane that's going down, and Ellie is the one that has to save it, but she has no idea what, how, or what to do. That's my best guess, but I I don't know. I'm I'm positive there is meaning. I don't know if I understand.
0: I, that's the same idea I had. I think I think that we're on to something here. I think that yes, like she is supposed to be leading this change in the world, but the world is crashing, right? So and what, and what is she supposed to do? She's only fourteen, possibly fifteen at this point. We don't really know if she's had a birthday yet. But like, um, but yeah, I feel like that's exactly what the point is here, especially because they're at the, they're getting to the hospital now. That's the destination. So like she feels like maybe she has like this, you know, she is going to be the 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 pilot of this change. But how do you even begin to do this. Joel and Ellie continue down the off-ramp to the east tunnel that leads to St. Mary's Hospital. Passing more dilapidated vehicles, the two are able to get on top of an old bus and hop the gate into an abandoned quarantine zone. They decide to cut through a nearby building, and as Joel looks around, he finds Ellie quietly sitting on a bench. He asks her if she's okay, and comments that she's been extra quiet lately. Ellie apologizes, but Joel tries to say that she doesn't need to apologize, but can't finish the sentence. Joel finds a ladder that can help them get to the next ledge, but he can't reach it alone. He asks Ellie to get a boost and grab it. Waiting for her to come to him, Joel calls for Ellie again, who is dazed off. Coming to her senses, Ellie walks over to Joel and gets boosted up and gets the ladder. As she pushes the ladder down, Ellie sees something behind her. Oh my god, Ellie says as she walks away. Joel questions what she sees as he quickly gets the ladder off the ground and uses it to climb up the ledge. Ellie tells him that he needs to follow her as, they, as she runs off to the left. Joel follows her as Ellie continues to look out the windows at something outside. Ellie leads Joel into a room with a missing wall. As they walk in, the duo sees a giraffe eating leaves growing off the building's wall. This is cool. I mean, I like giraffes, so I thought this, this <laughs> moment was actually really super cool. Anyway, but like, what a cool moment. Yeah, I love that this game has a lot of like uh, nature reclaiming the land, kind of, you know, thing like the water's kind of like flooded places. Yeah. The the grass and the is kind of overgrown everything. And how cool is it to see this, di- this, I almost said deer, giraffe just eating the leaves off of, of the growing off this wall and just kind of like that moment? Like, cause for Joel, I'm sure it's like a, you know, he's been to zoos in the past. He's, he's kind of seen that for, for Ellie though. I think this is like a first for her. She's never seen this, especially this close.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, it it further kind of sets up this this world in which, for humans, this is a terrible, hellish landscape. But, like, for the rest of the world, for nature, like, it's thriving and beautiful and green. And -hmm. these creatures that were before, like, trapped in a small exhibit have the city to themselves and are roaming free and just enjoying the leaves. Um, it, It just has this really interesting feel that um as uh in the story makes it makes you feel like we they're going through something really tough but here's this really happy wonderful thing and then maybe like maybe the world isn't so terrible maybe their world is okay um maybe it's just not a place for us anymore um or there's there's other things you could think about but yeah i think and this this happens all throughout the game not i think in this much of a beautiful moment but that Mm -hmm. the world is alive and beautiful and and regrowing
0: Right, yeah. So are you saying that from a different perspective, it's good for nature and bad for humans? And... Yeah, so, like, yeah, the, yeah. without <laughs> without
1: these humans around, like, at least giraffe can roam free and have the seed of themselves, without the humans around. I mean, like, good for who is always, like, good for the plants that maybe don't have sentience, sentience, but, like, how much human suffering. I think you have to right. balance these things in order to make this not feel just, like, any more of, like, this incredibly tense slog that we've been going through and after this incredibly right. tense moment yep. that everything was building towards now we're on this kind of oh we're, we're almost there things are feeling better things mm-hmm. are the tension is kind of releasing we get this really wonderful moment um yeah i think it's it's part of that balance again and That's also so really cool. good world building
0: yes definitely good world building for sure and, I, and I, we even saw about the monkeys too the, yeah the infected monkeys running away and just yeah. you know living and and it's so cool that they can do that and yeah Joel walks closer to the giraffe, and Ellie tells him not to scare it away. Joel is able to pet the giraffe and calls Ellie over. She walks over and pets the giraffe and is visibly happy. So fucking cool, comments Ellie with a smile on her face. uh, It's really cool to see the giraffe has really changed Ellie. Not changed Ellie, but has helped bring Ellie, or bring her some happiness in in these trying times, you know?
1: Brings her kind of out of her head and into the moment.
0: Yes, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Great way to put it. The giraffe turns and begins to walk away, and Ellie tries to follow it through the building. Joel follows behind her, as Ellie tells him to keep up. Making it to the roof, Ellie and Joel spot a herd of giraffes in the distance. Both stand together and watch the giraffes. So, is this everything you were hoping for? Joel asks Ellie. Ellie looks at Joel and then back out to the giraffes and scoffs. It's got its ups and downs, but you can't deny that view, though. She replies. Joel takes a deep breath, and the two stare out at the view together for a while. So I think this is generally people's favorite moment. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think this, for a lot of people, this moment sticks in people's minds as, like, one of their favorite moments. Um, and I'm yeah. trying to remember, is is that, um, you can't deny the view, is that a callback to earlier in the game when, when they have this same conversation? Yes, it you is think, a callback. Yeah, that's what I yes. was thinking. I couldn't quite remember yeah
0: that's the moment where they're uh so it's with Tess and Joel and, and Ellie in there Joel's like setting up this board to cross uh, between two buildings and and uh I think Joel asked the same question is this everything you're hoping for and and Ellie says I don't know it's got itself announced but I you know you can't deny the view yeah and yeah. It just it's cool to see is it I think it's like a sunset you know and it's a beautiful sunset or yeah it's a sunset um so to see these beautiful views and there's there's taking it in and enjoying the moment is very cool and and, you know as far as they've come they're still they're in some ways they're still the same if that makes sense they definitely changed Mm -hmm. but they still are the same in terms of like who they are if that and i'm not explaining it very well but it's the best i can do i guess no i think it makes
1: sense and i think similar to um i think there's some parallels to those moments where like the giraffes in this moment are are, are kind of symbolizing a hope right that you know look at these mm-hmm. creatures they're thriving they have a family together they're doing okay similar to in that moment Tess was feeling hopeful right they were they were helping Ellie get to this, this because of that hope and that hope being the thing that was driving them back then and is still driving them now even after all these ups and downs um, yeah. that of of something better in the future and i think for ellie that is what in her mind is making all this worth it is hope of making a better world um, even though that's not what she asked for, or that's not necessarily, like, what she wanted in life, I think that's something that she feels very proud of.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she takes pride in that. I think yeah. she knows what that means. Yeah. Joel turns from the view and makes his way to, ne- to a nearby door. Sorry. Joel turns from the view and makes his way to a nearby door. Ellie continues to stare out at the giraffes. Before he can open the door, Joel reluctantly stops and waits. Ellie turns and meets him at the door. We don't have to do this, Joel says. You know that, right? What's the other option? Ellie questions to Joel. Joel tells her that they can just go back to Tommy's and just be done with everything. After all we've been through? Everything that I've done? Ellie takes a deep breath. It can't be for nothing. Ellie continues through the door that Joel struggled to open as Joel displays a conflicted, sad face. He turns to watch the last giraffe disappear out of the view behind the trees in the distance. He sighs and continues through the door. And I think that we made that such so take a taken moment. We made that kind of parallel that, you know, this is this hopeful, this is a you know, the giraffes, are this hopeful moment. And it brings hope to you, right? Mm-hmm. So then as Joel... Asks Ellie one more time that you know let's not do this let's do, we don't have to do this and Ellie says no we have to do this and she walks to the door and he kind of takes that sign he looks back and the last giraffe goes behind yeah. the trees it's almost symbolizing that the hope is kind of it's it's fleeting it's gone now you know it's so fast and it's just gone and and that's such a cool symbolism uh, such a cool use of symbolism with those giraffes and just that moment it's it's very powerful you can see the conflict in Joel's face that like he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't feel right about this so things you know it's just not sitting right with him he wants to turn and and go Um, but Ellie is just too invested with everything that's happened
1: yeah Um, and I think the only way Ellie is able to kind of live with herself and the things that she's done like killing people and the only way I think she's able to live with herself through all this is because she knows it's for a greater good that is what is allowing her to I, I I've killed a lot of people but it was because I have to survive to save the world Right. I have right. to get through this. And I don't think, I think for Joel, he's already worked through that trauma of I've done terrible things and she is still working through it.
0: Right. Yes. I think you're totally right. I think that she has a goal and that she won't feel good about what she's done unless she's followed through on that and made it worth it. Yeah. I killed these people, but it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I had yeah. to. Yeah. what I found it, actually I found interesting too. I, I thought about this a lot. Um, was, you know, when, when the last we, last time we see Tess before she dies, she's like, you know, I need you to do this for me. I, I, I need you to feel obligated to do this for me, to follow through, to make this worth it. You know, that's what Tess says too. It's the same thing that Ellie is saying to Joel. You know, it's, it's, it's just Joel kind of reliving this moment again. You know, we have to do this. We have to make this work. It's worth it. It's worth it to save everybody. We have to, you know, make this count in some way. Um, so the fact that Joel wants to just turn around and go after talking you know after that relationship with tess i was very surprised that joel didn't or didn't feel more conflicted with that didn't didn't talk about tess or didn't like think maybe or maybe he was but we never saw any recollection like that we didn't see any struggle that of the promise he made to tess and wanting to leave which i thought was very it was kind of weird for joel
1: yeah i think that's a I th- yeah i i didn't i didn't even think about that but yeah that's a really good point tess was such an important person to him Um, to then her last thing to say is like make do this for me and then Ellie also saying I have to do this for like in order to live with myself in order to live with what Tess did and all the other things I did I have to do this and Joel just for whatever reason isn't able to whatever the whatever he has to do forward he he would rather let's just walk away let's just be done with this and Mm -hmm. be happy with what we are because he can be right he he feels he could live with himself if he just walked away right now Um, right but yeah, that's an interesting point that and maybe it's because after all he's been through, he feels like his relationship with Ellie, I mean, similar to what happened with his daughter, is too important to put, to, to put in any kind of danger any further.
0: Do you think that his relationship to Tess is in any way not as important as his relationship to Ellie in this dynamic? So like, it may, like his relationship and, and care for Ellie outweighs... His obligation set by Tess. Do you think that has anything to do with it?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think it goes back to because he lost Sarah, right? That's that that right. is the that is like the wound that hurt him most. And Ellie is making that okay. Ellie is refilling that hole. He can he can raise Ellie and have a relationship with Ellie that he wanted to have with Sarah. Whereas Tess right. I, I don't think could do that in the same way. And maybe that we don't know, but maybe that's why things didn't work out between them is because he still hasn't worked through what happened with Sarah. And now he has he's gone through this experience and he has somebody he cares about and wants to protect. And he has like a purpose for him again. Um, whereas with past, I, I don't know if that was the same relationship. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think that it's, that is the case. I think that it shows the, the human relation to, dy- to the dynamics of relationships, like the human understanding of and in the weighing of importance of relationships and the dynamics involved so for for example like he obviously like you said Joel has a relationship with Tess right he had one and they worked really well together and and I would probably argue that they cared for one another you know because Joel didn't want to leave Tess behind when she wanted them to go at the Capitol building but here we have Joel in this parental role like you're saying I think you're making fantastic points Ryan yeah and this is almost like a second chance you know and he, he can't he can't fail again I think that if Joel failed again it would ruin him So I think that kind of outweighs the importance of saving the world. Because like you and like you said before, he doesn't care about saving the world. I think he thinks the world's kind of screwed as it is. There's no saving it, and he doesn't trust the fireflies. So uh, this is kind of like a a lose situation for him. And he's very I think he's very nervous of what's going to happen. So. Yeah, long story short, I think that the, his relationship with Ellie does outweigh that of Tess, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just kind of the human the human relation, yeah. the, the the human dynamics of things.
1: Yeah, it feels very human. It feels like something like, I think, in a normal, or in a story that wasn't challenging us to think about what the decisions humans are making, it, that wouldn't even be a conversation that was had because, of course, you want to do the right thing that saves the world. Like, why, why would you ever question yeah. it? But I think because this game really successfully is trying so hard to make everybody feel like a human who's making human decisions. That's mm-hmm. why we're having this conversation. Is that's why Joel is questioning it. Because, um, because, of, because of who he is and the things he's experienced
0: yeah i tell yeah i agree i think anyone can kind of understand that dynamic too yeah i think we can all kind of take relationships and wonder like if this person asked me to do this and this other person asked me not to which one would i do mm-hmm. and which one outweighs the other you know which one am i more feel more justified following through with which is just it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic to think about in terms of this in terms of the story mm-hmm. and where joel is at and in this
1: case like both of those relationships are telling him we need to go through with this right so then w- yeah who is joel listening to like who is joel thinking about in that
0: yeah, I, I would probably argue Ellie in that yeah. moment. Yeah. I, I would be very... I'm, I'm a, I am I'm wish I knew more about how Joel felt and if Tess was involved in this Yeah, going through or if, if she was involved in any way or if he even thought about her anymore at this point. Or is he just kind of let go? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, who knows how many people he's lost and how many times he's had to work through the loss of a partner. And maybe the reason that him and Tess weren't as close as they could have been is because he hasn't let anybody in, but because Ellie was so similar to Sarah he let her in when he hasn't let anybody else
0: in there's definitely a a, uh interesting dynamic between ellie and sarah that we see going on here especially in joel's mind right right yeah as they make their way down a flight of stairs ellie tells joel that she knows he means well but they have to go through with this once they're done they'll go wherever he wants to go joel scoffs and tells ellie that he isn't leaving without her so then they need to go and wrap this up Making it out of the building, the two make it outside to a triage. Joel tells Ellie that the triage reminds him of when the outbreak first happened, and he ended up in a similar triage. He saw many families torn apart, and the world was just torn apart itself by what had happened with the outbreak. Ellie asks Joel if this happened after he lost Sarah, which he says yes to. I I can't imagine losing someone you love like that. Losing everything that you know. I'm sorry, Joel says ellie it's okay ellie joel quietly says back to her so again I, mean, I know we keep being the dead horse here um but again this is like uh before ellie was asking about his past mar- marriage with his wife that didn't work out he said you know not yet too soon here we're talking about sarah's death a little bit in in relation to joel's past experience with a triage um but he is able to kind of open up a little bit and admit that you know yes this is after she died this moment happened after she died so just more more character development more opening of oneself for joel
1: and and i also think like we talked about before ellie is also saying like in the past when he would bring up sarah she would say i've lost people too or now instead of coming at that angle she's saying that sounds really hard i can't imagine going through that i'm really sorry that happened to you which is such a different experience and that helps people kind of open up that helps people if you're connecting with people in that way, they're gonna be more willing to open up because they know it's coming from a place of empathy and that you're caring about them. Which like you said, right. that's that's how you should have those conversations.
0: Right, we're not comparing traumas and we're not going to tell the person that they their trauma is lesser than our trauma. We've gone through more, right? So we understand better. That's not what's happening here. This is someone that is, that is listening to someone talk about something difficult and validating how they feel, right? That's how growth happens, that, or you know, that's that's a, a very healthy way of, of growth happening, right? It's like I have my baggage, but when you talk about your baggage, I'm going to validate you. I'm going to make you feel heard and understood and cared for, and that's how relationships grow in healthy ways. And that's and you're totally one thousand percent right. This is exactly what's happening here. You know, Ellie reconcile or Ellie uh, sympathizes with Joel on his loss with Sarah, and and, and Joel is able to kind of take that and and validate back to to Ellie that it's okay, And and I think he appreciates her saying that. Before moving on, Ellie tells Joel that she has something for him. She says Maria showed it to her, and she stole it back in Jackson. In her hand is the picture of Joel and Sarah that Tommy had back in Jackson. Joel laughs and exhales deeply. Well, no matter how hard you try, I guess you can't escape your past thank you do you see any significance in this moment that's a vague question I know but I, yeah. I, I just have a point <laughs> um, <laughs> why ask.
1: no it's okay I think this I, I the significance I see is um, just further further like expanding the circle of or further I guess closing this circle of I've connected to you about Sarah I said that's hard now here is that past you couldn't face before now can you face it now he seems to be like, I can't, I guess I can't run anymore. Thank you for giving this to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see this as a, as a moment where Joel has accepted his past. Yeah. 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 I think this is the moment that Joel has been looking for, for like 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, is that moment where he accepts his past before he couldn't look at it. Like he gave the picture back to Tommy and this is like a valuable picture. This is the last picture of Sarah's probably, you know, anywhere this is the one only one Tommy could find so this picture is very valuable you know i think joel would argue it's very valuable but he just could not face that photo he probably felt like he let her down that he's at this point now where he's ready to accept what happened he's ready to accept the past and he's able to accept that photo especially because it's coming from ellie yeah i think it's also very important it's not coming from tommy it's not coming from maria it's coming from ellie and i think that's a very powerful thing for joel to get from her
1: yeah i agree so. i think i think this is kind of like you said this is this is the moment where joel is kind of moving forward as as a human and putting a little bit of his past accepting his past as, as who he is and excited to kind of move forward
0: yeah yeah
1: but anxious about that. but
0: anxious yeah always anxious always on guard yeah i think it's but he, this is a moment where he can be vulnerable and and be okay which I think is very cool. I'm glad he has this moment. This is a very good moment.
1: Yeah, and I think a whole this whole beginning part of this, um, this this piece of the game, the whole beginning is just like, here are some connections. Here it's all positive. It, it, that tension that we had at the end is is it's there, um, but it, it seems like we're moving towards that happy ending.
0: It does feel that way, yeah. But hold on tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not done yet. Both move forward, following the road to an underground tunnel. They go in and move around the cars and trucks scattered inside. In the distance, they hear infected and begin to quietly move towards the noises. Clickers are seen hobbling through the pools of water and uneven concrete inside the tunnel. Ellie comments that there's so many of them, but Joel tells her just to keep moving. As silently as possible, the two maneuver around and quietly kill clickers when need be. The pain, noise of the runners... The mouth clicks of the clickers, and the deep groans of the bloaters echo in the tunnel. Blocked by a tractor trailer, Joel boosts Ellie up top, and Ellie pushes a crate down to give him enough height to make it on top of the tractor trailer also. They find themselves in a mostly flooded part of the tunnel, but are able to move forward on some ventilation shafts on the left side. With another tractor trailer in the way, Joel enters the water to figure out a way around. Ellie tells Joel that that's something they can work on after they're done with their journey. Joel questions what she means, and Ellie comments, learn to swim. This this is cool. So this is, I think this also shows, too, um, Ellie is invested in a future, right, with Joel. And then Joel's like, I want to teach you how to play guitar. Isn't that great? I think you'll like it. And Ellie's like, "Uh, yeah, sure, that's great. You know, like, But here Ellie's like, there's something we can do together. We can learn to swim. And Joel does a really, actually, we're about to get into it, so I'll hold off on my comment for a second. Do you want to say anything, though?
1: No, no, I think that's. I think that's a good parallel to point out but I think you nailed it perfectly yeah.
0: Joel tells her you got it before submerging under the tractor trailer to the other side and that's, that's the part I wanted to point out really fast is that Joel is very, like a good parent does when a, when a child's interested in doing something even if they didn't want to do it he shows excitement and he shows investment in what the child wants to learn which is, you know, again Parenting 101 and Joel's and Joel's doing it you know, I think he likes feeling like a father figure so, yeah, they're, cool.
1: they're moving towards that healthy relationship that through the whole time they've been working towards. They've gone through all mm-hmm. of this trauma together, and they've survived it, and now they're working more towards having this experience together.
0: Right, right. And actually, something we left out of the script, too, is that, just to prove this point also, is that we find that Joel is collecting comic books for Ellie. It's like a collectible in the game, or these comic books that Ellie likes to read. You know, And at one point in the story, we have Henry and Sam, who Henry tells Sam, don't, taking any toys, don't take anything unnecessary. But here we have Joel picking up these comic books for Ellie to read because she enjoys reading them. And again, that's a parental figure showing an investment, showing an excitement in something that the child likes. Joel doesn't like these comic books, but he keeps finding them and picking them up to make sure he gives to Ellie because he shows investment in what she likes, which is a, a good parenting strategy. So cool I, again i don't even know if that was even intentional i think i don't know if it's just a collectible you know that they put in the game and they that, that's how that they wanted to do but i think that's a, a really cool way to show that joel is uh is interested in what Ellie's is interested in
1: yeah it's a good pairing cool. of game design and narrative where even the like the mechanical things you're doing the, even like the the thing that are as kind of a part of games and as kind of not as interesting as collectibles they tie it to the relationships
0: yeah, yeah. I would love to know if that was intentional or not. I think it was. I think you're right. I think it was. But I would love just to to know if it wasn't. Yeah yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Joel gets out of the water and is able to climb on top of the trailer. He finds a ladder and sets it up for Ellie to climb up. Continuing down the trailer into a locked gate on the right side, Joel boosts Ellie over an open part of the gate, and she's able to unlock it from the other side. The duo make it further into the tunnel as they come out into a section of the tunnel that is flooded, and the water creates rapids. Joel and Ellie carefully move around ventilation shafts and trailers before jumping down to a tipped over bus. The bus begins to move and Joel tells Ellie to jump off. She is able to, but Joel falls through the bus as a window underneath him breaks. He moves to the back to try and open the bus door. Ellie jumps back on top and tries to help him open the door as well, but Joel is unable to make it out before the bus turns upright, putting both into the water. With the door open, Joel swims out of the bus and the current takes him further in. He swims, trying to find Ellie, and manages to see her in the water. He grabs her and swims to the surface. Dragging her out of the water, Joel begins CPR so that Ellie can breathe. As he starts, two men with guns tell Joel to put his hands up in the air. Joel tells them that Ellie's not breathing and continues to give CPR anyway. The men move closer to Joel as one uses the butt of his gun to hit Joel in the head, knocking him out. I was a little frustrated by this moment. I I don't know if like, they thought he was going to, like, trick them into thinking, like, you know, she was giving fake CPR, then shoot them or something. That was my mentality when I was trying to, like, justify the actions of these men. Um, but it's still very frustrating. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think the, the the reason I think they may have done this way is because there's no way Joel would have been caught off guard if he wasn't trying to save Ellie's life.
0: Yeah, yeah. That,
1: yeah, there's no way they would have got the jump on him. There's no way they could kind of properly secure Ellie unless they physically take them from him because when he's unconscious.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, it is frustrating because you as a, you, we, they aren't asking questions. They're just, oh, here's some people, we knock them out. I guess it's better than them shooting them, but still.
0: Right, right. And I think they know to be on the lookout too. Yes. That they're kind of like, wonder, if you know, they just be on, they don't, they probably don't expect Ellie to ever come uh, based on the circumstances, but they're just going to look out for her anyway, just in case. Yeah. Yeah. Waking up in the room of a hospital, Joel looks over to see Marlene sitting next to him. Welcome to the Fireflies, she says to Joel. Marlene apologizes for Joel getting knocked out by her men. Joel immediately asks about Ellie, which Marlene tells him that she's all right and that her men brought her back. Marlene asks how Joel was able to bring Ellie all the way out to Salt Lake City. It was her, Joel answers. She fought like hell to get out here. Marlene tells Joel that she lost most of her crew most of everything crossing the country to get to salt lake and somehow joel makes it there with ellie in just enough time for her to be saved maybe it is meant to be marlene says to joel were you surprised at all to see marlene in this
1: yeah i i i I kind of had written marlene off because it's been so long since we've seen her since the very start of the game um, yeah, I, I was expecting like to see, I guess, other fireflies. I, 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 I didn't put together that Marlene was the only firefly leader. I thought she was just one of many. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was caught off guard. I, I think it was a good choice because that familiar face instantly lets you know, without any language, you're safe. You're in a good spot. Where if it was somebody, if it wasn't Marlene, who Ellie recognized and who Joel recognized, it would have been just a battle to try and convince. To, to tell for Joel to say, no, this is Ellie. I've brought her here. I, I came from Marlene. You mean like that is a much more complicated Yeah, yeah. Marlene being there, it, it just solves so many narrative problems.
0: I think mean, Yeah, it does save a lot of hassle to explain <laughs> the situation. Yeah. It just takes that context out of it, so, which is good. Yeah. Joel asks to be taken to Ellie, but Marlene tells him that he doesn't need to worry about her anymore. But Joel insists on seeing her. Marlene takes a moment and tells Joel that he can't see her. She's being prepped for surgery at the moment confused. Joel asks why she's having surgery, and Marlene explains that Ellie's cordyceps, the growth inside of her, somehow mutated. This is what makes her immune to the infection. By removing the cordyceps, they can be reverse-engineered into a vaccine. Marlene smiles and says, vaccine, but Joel points out that the growths are all over the brain. Marlene is quiet and then confirms what Joel says. Putting the pieces together, Joel understands what is about to happen and tells Marlene to find someone else to do the surgery. Marlene says that there is no one else. Joel starts to get upset before he's knocked down from behind by one of Marlene's fireflies. Marlene sympathizes with Joel, but however tells him that whatever he thinks he's going through right now is nothing compared to what she's been through. Marlene tells Joel that she knew Ellie since she was born and promised her mother that she would look after her. Joel questions why she's going through with this then. She tells him it's not about her or Ellie and that there is no other choice. Joel sits back and looks at Marlene. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that bullshit. So, and, so again, we've said this before but recently, um, but we have Marlene justifying her actions by comparing her pain to the pain of Joel. Right? Comparing what she, Joel's been through to what she's been through. And it's, it's, it's a silly... Argument and from my perspective, at least, to do that because she, not only does Marlene not know what Joel's been through, uh, to compare your pain to what you don't understand, and what other people have gone through, uh, is a very just—it's a, a—it doesn't prove anything. It's a—it's a very feeble attempt to prove a point that isn't being proven. Um, and I get where Marlene's coming from. She's saying like, "I've known Ellie since birth. You know, I care about her deeply. I don't want to do this, but there's no other choice." Um, that's her in my opinion, trying to rationalize this choice that she's made, right? She's made this choice for Ellie. Ellie is going to die. She's going to help make this vaccine. That is rationalizing this choice for Marlene. Whereas we have Joel on the complete opposite end of the spectrum thinking this is not okay. You know, she's not having a choice in this, you know, and this is not right. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's, if Marlene would have gone about this in a different way, it might have been so successful. I also think Mm -hmm. because of Joel is and who he is, he never would have been okay with that. And that's why Marlene didn't tell him. Um, Although I think if he would have told her at the very beginning, it would be a very different experience than what we have now. But because she didn't tell him, he has allowed himself to form that relationship that we've seen over the course of this whole game. And now I don't think he would ever be okay with this. And again, we're weighing like things that have been these are moral questions that we as humans have been dealing with for a very very long time the weight of one versus the weight of many and no matter how and does that one mean more than all that many it's so hard to have that discussion i think joel would say this one is more important than anyone else as far as he's concerned and i don't Mm -hmm. and marlene doesn't see it that way um but whether that's a, a choice that was given to ellie or not is a very different experience um, and these are things that have happened in history, where there has been important people who have had diseases, and we've used them without asking them um, to take to save lives of a lot of people. Um, and they're things yeah. that we've had to had to wrestle with. But yeah, I think I think you're right in that comparing uh, comparing uh, pain or comparing things you've gone through is never is never a good idea, no matter what the context is.
0: Yeah, and I and it's hard because I sympathize with Joel, but it's hard not to see if you had to pick one. Uh, I think it's kind of hard not to say that Joel's being the somewhat more selfish yeah. in this situation. But then on the opposite side, maybe Marlene who is, I think, also being selfish in the fact that she's not really giving Ellie a choice. Right. I think Ellie probably would have chosen this regardless yeah. uh, based on who she is. I don't think she would have backed out of this, mm-hmm. but I think that Marlene also gave, took that choice away from Ellie, right. and, and that in itself is also selfish.
1: Yeah, that's also problematic. If, if you were to ask Ellie what she would choose, like you said, she would because of what she's gone through, she was like that. She was ready to give up everything and do really terrible things to get to this. But she right. was never, as far as we know, and you may have more of an idea because you've seen what comes next. She's had no idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, she had no idea. You're right, you're right. And I think we'll too, and we'll say this also to Marlene's point. Um, there is an audio log where she talks about having just argued with the doctor because uh, they like they scanned Ellie. They, they understand the cordyceps in her brain, and they understand that, you know, Ellie would die, and, and Marlene was, was advocating, you know, fighting against the idea of doing the surgery. So I don't think she knew in the beginning of the game that this was yeah. the outcome, um, but still we see the result that, that Marlene's going to go through with this, and, 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 yeah, and take Ellie's life. Like,
1: Marlene has gone through a lot to get to here and to keep Ellie safe, and she feels um, that it it has to be I guess similar to Ellie and similar to Tess it has to be for something it has to be right because how do you live with yourself if it's not how do you if if, if all the things you've done all the people you've lost all the things you may have been for nothing how do you live with yourself after that where Joel he's done all those things and now he's on the other end and he can only live with himself if this doesn't happen yeah Yeah. so it's it's these really human emotions clashing in a way that I don't think they can ever reconcile because of who these
0: characters yeah. are. There's no compromise in this. No, no, It's one way or the other. Because, yeah.
1: like, there's lives
0: involved, so there, there's no way someone can compromise that. Yeah, there's lives involved and, and there's decisions that have been made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's very human to try to reconcile and justify those actions based on the outcome of things. Yeah. Which is what we're seeing here. Yeah. Marlene stares down at Joel and orders her men to get Joel out of the hospital and to shoot him if he tries anything. Don't waste this gift joel says marlene do you think she meant the vaccine or you think that she meant you know letting him live
1: i think she it with the context of what how joel reacted i think um letting him live not that i think yeah she was always going to kill him but i think after seeing her his reaction she is concerned after what he's gone through that he is gonna make a, a bad choice
0: Marlene walks out, leaving Joel and one Firefly in the room. The Firefly tells Joel to get up, but Joel doesn't move. The Firefly points his gun at Joel and again tells him to get up. Joel slowly stands up and begins to move towards the door. The Firefly pushes Joel and tells him to give him an excuse to shoot him. Joel asks which way, and the Firefly motions left. The two continue through the hospital as Joel passes by his backpack, laying at the nurse's station. He stops, and the Firefly asks him again what he's doing. The Firefly pushes his gun into Joel's back to make him go, but Joel quickly pulls his elbow back, hitting the gun upwards and causing the Firefly to shoot one round off. Joel turns and struggles with the Firefly, but manages to get his gun and pistol whips him across the face two times. With Joel's forearm against the Firefly's neck and the pistol aimed at his abdomen, Joel demands to know where the operating room is. The Firefly does not say anything. I ain't got time for this, Joel says and shoots the firefly. Joel asks again, but gets no response, causing him to shoot again. A third time, Joel yells, where? And the firefly softly mutters out, top floor, the far end. Joel removes his forearm from the firefly's throat and the firefly falls to his knees. Joel aims the gun at the firefly's head and shoots him dead. So now we, I think this is where we really see the conviction, right? Yeah. This is where Joel's going to move heaven and hell to make sure he saves Ellie in this moment. Yeah.
1: Doing things similar to what he did before when he was trying to save her from David. He sees like, these are the same situations, right? Somebody taking advantage of this person I care mm-hmm. about and I will not let it happen, no matter who I have to uh, kill and what I have to do to get there. Um, and I think it's, it's one of the things I was thinking of as while well, you're reading this is like, man this firefly dude sounds like not like he's he kind of seems like a tool but then i have to then i have to like remember that they don't know who joel is they don't know anything about him they they just know he's Uh, you know what i mean they don't know a single thing about what he's gone through or what he's experienced and to them who have who knows what they've seen at their journey he's just a person who seems to be acting up but
0: um yeah you're right that's a really good perspective actually i i yeah that is a great perspective i never thought of it that way i, I thought the same thing this yeah. guy is such a tool yeah yeah but how dare he joel's great <laughs> but he doesn't know that joel's great you know he doesn't even know No, joel. the only thing he knows about so. joel
1: is if he was if he talked to marlene he showed up with this girl marlene is letting him go um but maybe this person doesn't think marlene is making the right choice because who knows but yeah
0: yeah that's a great I, I i'm glad you pointed that out that's something to keep in mind too from other perspectives as well that's a good that's a good point yeah. and actually a question i had that i was thinking of as i was reading this again would you consider this joel's act of redemption is this his way of redeeming himself for the loss of sarah by saving ellie in this moment would you agree with that or would you just? i certainly think there are parallels like here are
1: similar to like it wasn't clicker suit with sarah right it was like it was the people who were supposed to protect him, which I think is why he trusts. Right. That's why he distrusts the fireflies so much is because that's who took away the person he cares about most in the world. And here they're going to do it again. Um, I think for yeah. Joel, he, he will not let anything happen to Ellie because of what happened to Sarah. I, I agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, And that's a, that's a fantastic point you just made that the people that are supposed to take care of Sarah killed her. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the fireflies. They're supposed to be protecting people and they're going to kill Ellie. So, and again, they're, like, using her. And, it's, and again, this is not Ellie's choice right now. Right. Like, she made the, the choice, but she doesn't know she's going to die from the surgery. Right. And that, that choice is being taken from her. And I think, for, I, if I was Joel in his perspective, um, that's, that's not right. And Joel's now wiser, stronger than he was when Sarah died. You know, he's, he's able to handle the situation better than when he handled it with Sarah.
1: Yeah. No matter what it might mean for the rest of the world, he is willing to, to give it up because he isn't going to let this happen again to him or to somebody he cares about, especially because like like, he's gone through this huge journey where he's lost a lot of people and seen people lose a lot of people and he isn't going to let it happen.
0: Right. Yeah. He's forsaking the world Mm -hmm. for Ellie. Who's, I mean, on all intents and purposes is like a a daughter to him. Right. right? And I think a lot of parents, I mean, I'm not a parent. I have a dog that I love a lot, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm I'm not a parent and I can imagine, um, and I, I would love if there's any parents out there listening to this, um, if we can get your perspective. I would really, really like that a lot. Um, I think a lot of parents would agree they would move heaven and, and you know heaven and earth, and, and they would uh, do whatever they need to to save their child. Yeah. You know, but even yeah. if it means forsaking others, they will, they will do this. Right. You know, and that's I think that's what we're seeing here with Joel.
1: Um, and I and I it it's something that I just thought of that was really interesting, and, and kind of reframes a lot of what we've seen is all of the first half of this game where he's seeing all these tragedies and how people are taken from him, that is a world Mm -hmm. in which he could prevent if he were to give up somebody he cares about. But he, even after experiencing all that, isn't ready to do that, which I think is is really interesting.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting. Very good point. Very good point. This this ending of the game really has a lot of deep elements Mm -hmm. that's fun to dissect, fun to break open and kind of work through the layers of of the psyche of what these characters are are doing, the the decisions that they're making. It's very fascinating. Joel quickly grabs his backpack and runs to the closest wall for cover. Fighting ensues as Joel makes his way to the top floor, killing Firefly soldiers along the way. As he continues up, Joel finds audio recordings explaining Ellie's immunity as well as recordings from Marlene rationalizing Ellie's demise for the greater good. In other words, Marlene stating that she kept her promise to Anna, Ellie's mother about keeping Ellie safe all these years. That the group asked Marlene to kill Joel, and that the group asked Marlene to kill Joel, but she refused. She didn't want to kill the one man in the entire facility who could possibly understand the weight of this choice to sacrifice Ellie. Marlene tells Anna she misses her and that Ellie will be with her soon. I wonder it's is it, interesting. I never heard that audio log when I played the game uh, until I watched the playthrough again. I I played the game uh I played the last of us recently before last of us part two came out. Um, but I didn't, I didn't find that recording. So when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's so interesting that Marlene had the choice yeah. to kill Joel. And it sounds like she, she probably could have, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that this choice was so great. Yeah. And maybe if she had, if she had killed Joel, if she did kill Joel, like the group wanted her to things would be much different than it is right now. And it's hard to say if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause I like Joel a lot. Yeah. Um, but again, it's it's like the argument that we were talking about: is one life worth the life of lives of many? Right,
1: and and here is referencing that gift that she was talking about earlier. This is the gift she's giving: is allowing him to live, and then also speaks more to why that that guy was such a dick, right? Is because mm-hmm. he wanted him to die. Marlene is the one who stopped it. Um, You're right. You're would, very like, right. Give me yeah, an excuse. That. I wanted you. I wanted to kill you because I didn't trust you. Um, I also think it's yeah. really interesting that Marlene sees Joel as the only person who can understand what it means to sacrifice Ellie, whether that's mm-hmm. because of what she knows about Joel or what she knows they've been through. And then to, like, I guess she's not wrong in, in understanding that, but obviously he didn't choose that sacrifice.
0: You make a good point. I think it, uh, it is interesting that Marlene sympathizes with the fact that Joel understands the, the weight of the of this choice, but how there are, there are po- polar yeah. ends of the spectrum of what to do. Um, which is very interesting, right? It's very interesting. I mean, I personally like it when we see two sides of something. I I get where Marlene's coming from. This is going to save the world. But one could argue, will this really save the world? Will the bandits and the rogues and all the bad people on the world accept this this gift? Is it worth saving them? And at the other hand, we have Joel and he wants to save Ellie, which is a good purpose. But is that within itself? Is he taking away what Ellie is wanting to do? Or, you know, is that what she feels like her purpose is? We don't know because she yeah. was never given the choice. So there's a lot of just different dynamics. There's no, again, we like we keep saying, again, right. there's no right answer. Yeah, and I think, I think
1: it, it also is really interesting, and we can talk more about this at the end, how it frames, how it's all throughout the game framed, like, don't let people in because you will just suffer. And now Joel has let Pete, let somebody in, and it's not he who's necessarily suffering, suffering. it's the rest of the world who has to suffer with that, right? The rest of the world has to suffer with the fact that um, even though I think Joel is doing what he believes is the right thing to keep Ellie safe and to protect himself and her because she didn't get to choose, the whole world has to suffer the consequences of that relationship that they've now formed.
0: I think that's a a great way to look at it. I, I totally agree with that. Making it to the top floor, Joel runs into the surgery room with his pistol in his hand. He finds Ellie on the operating table in a hospital gown. The doctor quickly asks what Joel is doing and runs back to grab a scalpel. I won't let you take her. This is our future. Think of all the lives we'll save, the doctor pleads to Joel. Joel aims the gun and guns down the doctor and runs to Ellie to get her off the operating table. With Ellie in his arms, Joel runs out with all his might towards any exit he can find. He finds an elevator and makes it inside before any of the fireflies catch up to him and what I found really interesting too is so like the, the doctor holds the scalpel, right and in this playthrough I watched I I, I think originally I mean, this is me admitting I'm a bad person I think I killed everybody in the room
1: yeah I think I did as well I did, yeah, I yeah, but, I, yeah, yeah I think I did as well. there's a
0: doctor there's the operator and then there's a, the surgeon I mean and then there's a, like two assistants right and uh I think I killed them all, which sounds awful, and I say it out loud. I thought I had to. I, th- I say that now, but like uh, in the playthrough I watched, you don't have to. You just kill the doctor, and you 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 know, and you go, and and you hear what was super interesting. You hear the assistants, and they go, "You fucking animal!" Like they call Joel a fucking animal, you know. And but and so from their perspective, again, they see this man gun down this doctor, this surgeon, to save this girl, or to and grab this girl and run. Um, but in Joel's mind, he's taking—you know—he's killing these these people who want to hurt Ellie, and is trying to to get out before they can. Okay, so again, perspective is everything, and and it's very hard to say who is right and who is wrong. Right.
1: And and what's really interesting is everybody in this situation cares really deeply about Ellie, but for different reasons. Um, yeah, like they Ellie is meaningful to every person in this situation. It's just their relationship with Ellie is different um and their their reaction i think it comes from like here's this kid who could save the world that could save every single child that ever comes next um how could you do that why are you doing this to us why are you doing this to, to her but like like you yeah. said to joel like this is his whole entire world and he doesn't care about anybody else
0: yeah which again it could be seen as selfish but yeah. it's like
1: but also feels really human
0: yeah it yeah. feels very human that is yeah a great way to put it yeah it feels very human Joel makes it to the ground floor of the hospital and walks out to find Marlene aiming her gun at him. You can't save her, Marlene says to Joel. She questions what Joel will do even if he manages to escape. What he'll do if Ellie is ever torn into pieces by a pack of clickers, if not raped or murdered first. That ain't for you to decide, Joel answers back. It's what she'd want, and you know it, Marlene says. Marlene tells Joel to do the right thing and that Ellie will not feel anything. The scene changes, and we see Joel driving away from Salt Lake City in a car. He takes a deep breath as he watches the road. In the back seat, Ellie can be heard waking up from her sedation. She questions what happened. We found the fireflies. Turns out, there's a whole lot more like you, Ellie. People that are immune. There's dozens, actually. Ain't done a damn bit of good, neither. They've stopped looking for a cure. I'm taking us home. Ellie, laying in the back seat, turns away. I'm sorry, Joel quietly says to her. As Joel says this, we see the outcome of Joel's interaction with Marlene. How she put her gun up to help encourage Joel to let Ellie go. How Joel shot Marlene with the gun still in his hand. After putting Ellie in a car, Joel walks back over to Marlene, who is struggling from her wound. She asks him to wait and to let her go. She begs him. Joel raises his gun and says, "You just come after her," and shoots Marlene in the head. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. I, and, then, and I don't even know. I don't even know what to say to that. Quite honestly, like, it's, it's almost like I think I felt a little bit of disappointment in Joel. For a little bit just because of just this relationship that we have with marlene it wasn't a good relationship necessarily it wasn't a very deep relationship and i think they knew each other way before the events of this game you know but um just the fact that joel i don't think joel he doesn't contemplate what to do he just raises his gun and shoots her
1: just makes a choice
0: yeah just makes a choice and i don't think he's wrong i think she probably would have come after him i think she would have tried to get ellie back um And he's making the choice he thinks is right for him Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's just a very brutal and dare I say a very human moment
1: yeah yeah I mean I can't imagine what it's like to be in these situations Um, I think it's impossible at least for me personally this whole last set of things it's impossible for me to say what I would do because it all feels like something that somebody would do in any of these situations like I, I can't I want to fault Joel because that isn't the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to sacrifice the one you love to save the world. But yep. I, I don't think I could do that. I don't know if I could do that in that situation. And I don't yeah. know. It, it, it just makes it feel so such a different ending of, of this story. And we're not quite at the complete end yet. But yeah, right. it, it, it feels so human and so gray. And I, you just don't know who the, who the, there, there is no good or bad at this point.
0: Um, because yeah.
1: everything just feels so so messy.
0: Do you think that this journey had any purpose then? Was this journey just wasted for everything that Ellie and Joel had gone through to get to this point and for Joel to kind of kill it, necessarily? I mean uh, I, I can't speak to Ellie
1: because I don't know where her story goes and I, I think as far as saving the world it wasn't worth it, but I think it in some ways saved Joel in some way Mm-hmm. Whether or not that outweighs what is lost, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, think I think it's an th- impossible question yeah, to answer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What about yeah. you? I think... I wouldn't say it's wasted because of the dynamic that is created between Joel and Ellie. That yeah. beautiful... And I think they both needed each other, in a sense. Yeah. Um, But it does... It. I feel like it does diminish the... Relationship he had with Tess mm-hmm. the relationship, I think the relationship he had with everybody but Ellie yeah. I think it kind of diminishes that the sacrifice that uh, was made from Henry and Sam mm-hmm. you know just the people that were lost and the people that will probably continue to be lost Right. and I think a lot of that weighs on Joel and I can understand if someone feels like Joel's the bad guy in this story yeah. it, it, I think it, there's a point to be made in that mm-hmm. as much as I like Joel as a character yeah. Um. So I think, like you said, it's hard to it's hard to say if it's uh, wasted or not. I think there's definitely something gained, but something also, something great that was also lost. Right.
1: Right, because yeah. if you were to tell Henry or Sam or Tess or Bill that, you know, I know I, I, I could have done something that would have saved all of the people you care about, but instead I chose to save the person that I care about. They, at face value, would be very upset, but I, yeah. I, it'd be hard to say. If, like, I think sam would have done the same thing or is it the older brother in that relationship would have done the same thing right yeah henry would have sacrificed everyone to save sam yes Um, i agree and and i I don't i don't know about bill because he's he's a very different human but that's the closest parallel relationship um to to joel and ellie and yeah it's it's really hard
0: Yeah. yeah which is why it's so good yeah, yeah, you're right. That is why it's so good. I think probably Bill would sacrifice Ellie in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, probably. <laughs> but I think the others would definitely have a harder time with that reality. I think if I think if Tess knew that Ellie was going to die from the vaccine, I think, I think Tess may have still have wanted that outcome, but she yeah. would have struggled a lot more getting to that point.
1: Right. right. And I think if Joel would have known, their relationship, again, would have felt very different. And would he have told yeah. her going into it? And then that would be a whole discussion. I think... Because that information wasn't known, it changes the whole dynamic of everybody's connection with this. Because it sounds like even Marlene didn't know. Um, yeah. And she struggled with it. And in the end, she had to do what she thought was best. And unfortunately, it was not what Joel thought was best. And Joel <sighs> fought harder or was able to fight harder for it. Or was the right. type of he person who more. could.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, part of me feels like if he had known if joel had known and this was common knowledge Mm -hmm. i think joel would have wound up in the same place as he did i think he still would have ended up caring for for Mm -hmm. ellie and i think that he still would have fought for her to live and i think if ellie knew going to this i think that she i think it probably would have been more of a success that that ellie would convince joel that this is what has to be done and that it's not his fault and I think it would be a much different outcome, but because that information wasn't known, I think that it was, it, this is how it had to turn out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. I, I think I
1: don't think Joel would have even taken. I think Joel would have knocked her out and ran away or something like that. And then that whole yeah. relationship would be very different. Her trying to escape to go fulfill what she believes her destiny, and him not being able to let go.
0: Yeah, it would change like the dynamic of their relationship yeah. a lot, a yeah. lot. But
1: like that, that isn't the information. Just like in the real world, you don't always have all the information when you're making these decisions. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of live with those consequences.
0: Right, right. And we live with our and like Joel says, your past catches up to you. So how is this going to eventually lead up to anything? You yeah, know, we don't know. So and very,
1: still, yeah. like the choice was taken away from Ellie now completely, right? Because now Ellie can't say, "Oh, you know what? Thanks for telling me this. I think I have to go do this." Because now she. He took away the choice in the same way that Marlene took away the choice,
0: right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So now he, he tried to do the right thing, but he's kind of no better than right. how Marlene was handling the situation as right, well.
1: Right, Yeah. It's very complicated. But again, like, that's what makes it such an incredible story, because that is how real stories are.
0: I think we can agree, though, that the main villain in this is the surgeon that put Ellie under, because <laughs> she sure. made the her own decision. Sure. <laughs> Curse you, surgeon! <laughs> <laughs> how could you do this?
2: How could you do this? You're the villain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Time passes, and Ellie and Joel are found at their car in what looks like close to Jackson City. Joel is working under the hood of the car while Ellie is sitting and looking at her bite mark on her arm. Joel closes the hood and tells Ellie it looks like they're walking. Making it past a barbed wire fence, Joel comments that he and Sarah used to take hikes in the wilderness like this, and that he thinks how she and Sarah would have been good friends. From the distance, they see Jackson City. Joel helps Ellie up a ledge, but she stops as Joel continues. She takes a deep breath. Back in Boston, back when I was bitten, I wasn't alone. My best friend was there. And she got bit too. We didn't know what to do. So, she says... Let's just wait it out. You know, we can be all poetic and just lose our minds together. I'm still waiting for my turn. Ellie, Joel says softly. Her name was Riley, and she was the first to die. And then it was Tess, and then Sam. Joel tells her that none of that is on her, but Ellie says he doesn't understand. I struggled for a long time with surviving, and you... Joel stops for a moment and holds the watch Sarah gave to him so long ago. No matter what, you keep finding something to fight for. Ellie sighs, but Joel continues. Now I know that's not what you want to hear right now, but it's... Swear to me, Ellie says, interrupting him. Swear to me that everything you said about the fireflies is true. Joel stops for a moment and looks her in the eyes. I swear. Okay. Okay says ellie the end so what do you think of that ending
1: uh i mean like before it makes it so complicated right like ellie yeah ellie is struggling with survivor's guilt she has been joel was struggling with it but he's moved past it because of ellie um and then that last part where he lies to ellie after taking away her choice just kind of further Pushes him into that role of keeping her in the dark to protect her, to protect him. It's very yeah. complicated, but again, it feels really human.
0: Very human, and I and I wonder if Joel lies to protect her or protect himself uh, yeah, from I losing think it's both. her. I think it's both. Yeah, 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 I think so too. I think so too. Yeah, I when I originally played the game, I loved the journey, and I didn't like the end. Yeah, because I thought so much was still left open. And and for and for her just to say okay and it's game over I was like what the hell Doesn't feel like good. yeah yeah it didn't feel good it didn't feel good and granted I wasn't expecting a, necessarily a happy ending um, but that just felt such like I felt like a stab in the back in a way like I just was not satisfied and I remember reading too at the time like people were very happy with The Last of Us that it was like um, it was okay if it was just by itself if that Naughty Dog never made a sequel and for the most part, I agreed, except for the ending. I just felt like the ending had so much more to say, and it was just like cut off, like uncompleted. And I just I didn't agree that it can only be one. And I remember like uh, talks like we don't know if we're gonna make a second one. You know, a Naughty Dog said, but I, I actually listened to uh, the kind of funny podcast spoiler cast for The Last of Us Part Two, and uh, Neil Druckmann said that they were they were pretty uh, they were like involved in the sequel by the time they finished their DLC. Oh, interesting. Um, So, yeah. So, like, they they already knew they were making a sequel, and he pitched it to uh, Troy Baker, who plays uh, Joel in The Last of Us, pretty early. Um, So they always knew. knew. But just the idea, back in 2013, just the idea of them not making a sequel to this game broke my heart because I just needed more. I needed more because that that dynamic wasn't done yet. You know, like, we, we needed more from these two, and it was just cut off. So I loved... The story. I love the journey that it took. I love the character dynamics, but the ending, I just, I absolutely struggled with. And I'm sure it was done on purpose.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're supposed to struggle with that because this is how I think. I think what it's trying to say is this is how stories end, right? They don't end satisfying, because we have no idea if Ellie believes him. We have no idea if Ellie doesn't. We have no idea what the relationship is after this. We have no idea what. There's just so much left. But I think like that is what real stories feel like they feel unsatisfying yeah. and yeah. we as consumers of narrative are just so not used to that um had, did that did that change over time did you still feel that way recently
0: yeah finishing working on the script and finishing it again i felt that same way and granted i will say and no spoilers obviously i have played the sequel um but just taking the sequel out of the equation i still felt that sense of unsatisfaction, and again, I'm sure that was intentional, and yeah. I support if that was the if that was the intent, I fully support them making that decision. Cause I'm sure they had an, an idea they wanted to convey, and I have to and I respect that. Um, but yeah, it was just so and it's again i keep saying it very human i think it was a very human ending it was not a fairy tale it was not this happy ending where ellie's like i'm so glad to be alive and joel's like (laughs) me too and they both like skip to jackson city i think that you know this is how it would be in real life and joel made the choice to to lie to her and i think that ellie knows i think deep down she knows that there's something wrong um with what what he's saying but um but what did you think of the overall st- what did you think of the ending and what did you think of the overall story
1: yeah I had a similar experience the first time I finished it um, trying to process it and I'm somebody who when I'm trying to think about something I, I kind of struggle in my own brain I usually it has to be like a conversation for my brain to work I have to talk mm-hmm. through things and read things and have conversations about things and over time I got to kind of accept it and understand um, but it never feels good and like you said I don't think it's ever supposed to because I think right it's supposed to leave you unsatisfied just like they don't want any good guys and only bad guys they don't there's not a happy ending overall yeah. uh, i mean i love this story it was a, it, similar to bioshock it's held up on like a pedestal for me of like these really incredible stories in games and just stories in any medium that are really doing something incredible and really asking you to think of things in a, a really interesting way and ask you these moral questions that as in 2013, I had not even thought about thinking about, um, (laughs) so it, 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 yeah, it's, it, it, it for me has, has a really special place. Um, yeah. And overall, I think going back and thinking about it, um, makes me appreciate it even more.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's definitely a a special game, I think. And I, and I think we said this in the last podcast, but it has accelerated storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, into even greater heights in video games, yeah. I think than, than before, um, but overall, yeah, I, I'm more of a journey kind of guy than an ending kind of guy. Anyway, yeah. um, even yeah. though endings, I think the only endings that ever change my opinion on on stories are horror movies. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why they always like make me angry at the end. But um, besides that, though, I think I'm more of a journey person and just seeing these characters change and develop. And I love, I love the shift. I love the the role change and just yeah. the the dynamics of how. Joel is not this optimistic person and he turns into one and ellie is this optimistic person and she's kind of going through this uh i would argue probably this um uh, survivor's guilt you know this trauma um and just how their relationship changes throughout the game it's it's very human and it's very enjoyable to watch and satisfying in that way um but yeah the ending was was hard to swallow
1: yeah yeah you're you're left like just thinking like it does a really good job because at the end you're just thinking like, what, what do you mean that's it? What what? And you're trying to think back at everything that happened and put it into context in whatever way you can and reflect on it because, it. in no no matter what way you did it, at least for me, it never felt satisfying.
0: But yes, yeah. yes, I agree, I agree. Yep. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to say about this ride?
1: Uh, I mean, it's it's a wonderful game, it's a wonderful experience. I'm excited to see to play the next one and experience that story to see where it all yeah. goes um yeah. and to to see this in context with other stories i think will be really interesting
0: i think i have a feeling you'll enjoy the second one i'm actually very interested i think it's going to be more uh polarizing and more divisive yeah. um maybe not between us but i think in terms of a story it is yeah um but i'm very excited to talk about that yeah. um for a future episode of course of course <laughs> of course um <laughs> But I think overall we can agree we like the story a lot and yeah. have a hard time with the ending, um, but overall a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Right. Uh, so if you listener have any thoughts, feelings, perspectives that you would like to share, please do not hesitate to email us. Our, our email is tales from the cartridge at dmail.com. All of the E's are threes. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. DM us with your thoughts, feelings. Uh, you are not wrong with how you feel. Uh, and we love to share those opinions, uh, even if it's a later episode. Uh, I, we would love to share these at one some point in time, even if you you know miss out on the opportunity. We would like to share them at some point. So, um, and next week I believe we are doing Portal One. Yeah, Portal One. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure the listeners probably like, "Why are we doing Portal One? There's no story." Uh, but we disagree. <laughs> yeah, not much of a story. There there is some yeah i think there's some great things in there i think there's some great things i think smaller stories are still stories that should be focused on yeah you know, this is the last of us has been a much longer story you know this is a long uh story to go through it took two episodes i think that portal one will be a great story to focus on because it's smaller it's more condensed and the theories behind it are much more interesting yeah it, um than we give it credit for
1: there there's going to be a lot a lot of the discussion of this of this game is on relationships and characters and i think a lot of the focus of the story of portal is like what does this mean what is the context and what do we think uh where do you think that the the story is trying to tell us because i think there's some interesting things in there
0: i agree uh, but i think the most important question is is the cake alive of course yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out we'll, 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 answer talk about that. It. we'll, we'll try to answer break it that. down tune in, tune in. <laughs> 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 Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed and we will see you in the next episode. Yes, we will. All right. See ya. Thank you. Goodbye.
2: Bye.